Hey everybody, it's a return of our biannual Perfect Halloween Playlist shows. It's kind of a spinoff of our Video Night podcast, where we have a guest come on and discuss their list of the Perfect Halloween movies they would suggest to you, the audience. Uh, this episode is kind of a new idea. We're doing a three-way. Hey everybody, a three-way uh, a phone hey, call. <laughs> so uh, I have Josh and Chad with me. Um, Josh is going to give his playlist, but Chad's here to just kind of like comment on what we uh, what, what his selections are. And, uh, and I'm the one getting the phone call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. So what we do is just basically go through the playlist, chit-chat about it, and uh, I guess it's up to you, the listener, to decide if you're going to take that selection. All right. Sounds good. So we're all uh, we're all here. Okay. What is Let's the very first thing on your list? Well, I, I have to uh, go with the obvious of, of John Carpenter's Halloween because that film is – in so many ways, just perfect to me. Um, in, in one way, it's because it was a, a young independent filmmaker who made a movie on a limited budget. But every every ounce of, of I mean, I don't know, every ounce of, of, of passion and blood, sweat, and tears, I feel like, went into this film. And I think that it, the result was just this atmospheric, moody... Um, slow burn, you know, slasher film that, um, defined, you know, the genre in so many ways. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I hate to give, you know, just the credit to John Carpenter because he had, you know, he had such a great team, uh, wait, 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 how have you seen Halloween? It's just coming out next weekend. (laughs) (laughs) That's, 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 that, that, this, I'm talking about the Halloween when we were born. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, wait a second. But you, are you telling me that the new Halloween is is not a remake, but it's still just called you, Halloween? It's called Halloween. Same title. I'm, I'm, totally, I'm, I'm totally confused. Different director, <laughs> different writer. Same stars, though. Same stars. They're all, they're all old. Weird. So it's like a seek re- It's like a seek sequel. Yeah, sequel. <laughs> it's, it's, sequel a, it's, a, it's a remake one. Yeah, it's a it's, uh, there we go. Like you were saying, you got to give a lot of credit to that. Deborah Hill. Deborah Hill is a groundbreaking producer, one of the very first female producers in that genre, and her voice yeah. is important too in this. What was surprising about Halloween is that, like you said, it was a very small, tight budget film, but it doesn't look like it cost three hundred fifty thousand dollars. They did such a good job that it almost looks studio quality. It does, and it's. Um, I mean, if you, if you know, just why? I mean. There are a few minor mistakes that they made in that film. Like in some shots, you can see a palm tree, you know, so it's clearly not Haddonfield, Illinois. But I mean, outside of that, the man, hell you, the hell you said. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't Haddonfield, Chad. I promise you. It, it, was, Orange Gro- it was Orange Grove, man. <laughs> it was Orange. It was hey. Orange Grove. Hey, um, hey, hey, now, hey, now. Producer who lives in a house. Okay, that's right. It's that's definitely right. California. <laughs> yep, California, A man, for sure, for sure. I have a problem um, with the new one. Is that they're racing the? I think it's lazy to redo um, a franchise. So like, you're not overhauling it and, and changing the entire thing. It's not a remake. It's a reboot, and that just to me means you didn't try hard enough to make the, what came before it make sense. And they keep doing this. Well, Chad and I have talked about this, and it, you know, we 
I mean, I think we agree. We love the sequels, most of them. Well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to withhold any judgment or any any kind of real opinion until I've seen it. Now, from an idea point of view, I love Halloween 4, okay? Right. <laughs> so I'm not a big fan of erasing, you know. Uh, well, and, he, and here's the one thing that I – so, so, so uh, look, again, I haven't seen the movie, so I'm speaking on things that I, you know, I don't know. Um, but when I see the trailers, I see Michael, okay, killing what looks to be a doctor in an auto garage. I'm like, cool, Halloween 4. And That's then I see, yeah. I see him dropping teeth over a stall, scared woman. I'm like, H2O. Right. Getting the butcher knife from, by the ham in the house, that was Halloween 2. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like, yes, okay, we're forgetting the sequels, but are we really? Right, right. Well, and like you said, Chad, I mean, they did this already with H2O. I mean, they... Yeah, a lot of people don't like H2O. I'm not one of them. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they... But I guess Laurie wasn't as much of a, you know, a recluse, uh, gun-toting badass. Like, they're, well, they're she, really... She wasn't... Yeah, no, I mean, H2O is... Uh... That's that's my childhood, no, or you know, mm. my teendom, or whatever you want to call it. That's Dawson's Creek Halloween. Yeah, um, and I like it though. I do too. I do too. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's actually a pretty short movie. Um, I oh, rewatched yeah. it recently. It's 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 actually pretty short. Well, um, and it has an amazing cast. It's like you got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you got jo- Jody Lynn O'Keefe. You had, yeah, uh, Michelle Williams. Um, Jimmy's been expelled three times already for yeah. getting a little crazy with the stick. Thank you. That was a that was a very effective opening too. I, I love the Joseph Gordon Levitt uh, the nurse opening. I think that's that's the best part of the movie to me. And that and that's because I mean that I mean I almost think that if if Donald Pleasance had been alive, they would have involved him for sure. Yeah. I mean, they even put him in the the you know his voice in the credit sequence because that was the only way they could do it. Right, because he died in what. Um, during Halloween Six or after? Yeah, it was uh, ninety four, yeah, yeah. I think. What I've looked up is that movie was uh, delayed a lot, and they had to do reshoots and re-edits, and they kept testing in front of the audiences, and it wasn't working. And I guess while they're typical Weinstein, yeah, somewhere along the way with the reshooting the footage, he passed away, and then you know just like, well, we have to somehow patch this together. I've seen the producer's cut; it makes a lot more sense than the one that we saw in theaters. Um, yeah, I don't know if you were one of the poor suckers who saw it in theaters like I did. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. I was like, "What? Yeah, I don't I, understand. I don't what. This is so confusing." But um, at least it tried to continue mythology from four and five, where they had like trying to explain how he could still how, be how, living. How, yeah, Halloween four on. I saw at the theater. Right, because that was. I guess Halloween four was what eighty eight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chad, I, how see, old I mean, I was you? raised. I was raised on serial <laughs> killers and, and and alien beings. Right. So now we know. Now we know what happened. Okay, that makes a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. more sense. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, um, what's the second thing on your list? The, the second thing on my list, uh, let's see, let's go with uh, Phantasm. Ooh, there's now, okay, so the thing you mentioned earlier was, you know, about Halloween is that there's all these weird compression of little moments in the new Halloween movie from the previous ones. And it almost started mm-hmm. to make me think, what if this is just like all some sort of like alternate dimension, dreamlike state that she's in? And I go, nah, they say that shit for Phantasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to the day, I could not tell you what Phantasm is about. Um, but there's something about that film that just really gets under my skin. And um, 
I think I think Chad, we've talked about Phantasm before, but I, I, well, you know, and I and Phantasm Two is my my baby. Phantasm, oh, yeah. yeah, Phantasm Two. That that's when that was the studio action version uh, sequel. But um, but yeah, the first one. I mean, to the I mean, it was shot in '78 on the same lines that Halloween was. I mean, it was shot for what two hundred and fifty grand. Um, guerrilla shooting, weekend shooting. Um, I mean, there's just something about that film that just scares the hell out of me, and I, I really don't know why. I guess it's just the the subject matter, and you know, I used to have nightmares about those marble mausoleums, and you know, I mean, it, the the ball, you know, flying through the through the hallways, and um, fun, fun 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 fact: um, Reggie Bannister was the first actor I ever attached to a movie, and that movie was Daylight's End in a different version than the movie that we ultimately made. Um, right. But yeah, Reggie Bannister was agreed to do Daylight's End when it was going to be my first movie, you know, back in, back in the back of that. Right. Reggie, man. He, he, the, 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 the ice cream, hot smoking, guy. Yeah, I loved Reggie, <laughs> Reggie. So I, I just like reached out to him before I had any new, you know, never made a movie, never did anything. I was like, hey, you want to do this movie? Well, had, you, cool. had you done That's Hero good. Wanted yet? No, I hadn't. Okay. At that time. At that time. Yeah. No, I made literally no his first his first uh, outing. Yeah. Yeah, Reggie, man. Jeez. I uh, I mean, he's had you know, he's had a, a nice little uh career, you know, doing other horror films and the cons and uh I think he plays music and I think he's 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 done all right for himself. There uh there's a uh mausoleum up in uh, portland like lower end portland where a friend of mine said that phantasm 3 was shot there and i was like really i have to go in this and i, and I walked in and someone's like is there is there something i can help you find and i was like yeah is this where phantasm 3 was shot he goes no this is a go and i started looking around going wait a minute this doesn't look anything like it son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's just something um i don't know just very cold and uh i mean creepy about about those kinds of mausoleums. And I, I think, I mean, like, like Chad's, I think two is probably the best of the bunch. Um, but I, I, I always, I, I always kind of, um, found myself liking part four because I think it was just a fun, um, I don't know. It's a fun road monster. movie. Yeah. It goes back to the dreamlike state of the first movie too. And what you're saying with the first one, I think a lot of what works in the first one is that he plays with the audio so much. A lot of what's terrifying are the sound effects. Yeah. And, and you know, like like he, I mean, I, I read an article about he, he was kind of reminiscing on making that film, and and you know, he said I just didn't have any money to do anything, so he really relied on a lot of imagery, you know, and like that that image of the tall man standing over the boy's bed. Um, I mean, there's just just images like that just really you know really stick with you, and and um, it was yeah just just. I mean, to the day, it's just, it's hard for me to watch that film, but I but I appreciate it for what it is. I'm back. Okay, <laughs> I heard the beep, and I was like, I had a bit Chad. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you yeah. have the I, worst I, I, phone connection ever. Where where are you? Are you like no, in a it, mine? <laughs> no, no, I'm actually in like the I'm in the hills kind of right now, but it's it shouldn't be bad. It's never bad. Um, Do you remember though a couple years ago where you had to call me back like thirteen times in one hour? <laughs> I do, I do. Well, and and that, that 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 probably just had to do with my phone. I mean, I go through phones like why? You just got a new phone. <laughs> this one's brand new, so I know it's not the phone, right? I know right. it's not the phone. It's yeah, Russia. I got a new phone, like we phones. know it. It's Russia. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, all that did go down after the president. The day, no, dude, literally, my my internet and TV went out the day that text came through. So yeah. I'm convinced. Well, okay. I told him I had to reset my phone because it would not load up anything. I had to do a reconnect to uh, 4G. And uh, we are not the only ones who had a problem after this. There's a hot, there's a horror horror film for you right there. Yeah. I'm not convinced, <laughs> although I did see a horror film today. It was called Kavanaugh. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, I got yeah. I got nausea sad, from it. It was so scary. Sad day, <laughs> sad day for us all, for sure, for sure. Uh, I like uh, beer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like beer. So, um, Phantasm, yeah, th- th- that's excellent one. I I'm always surprised that Coscarelli um, didn't direct more. And then I started doing some research on him a couple days ago, and. I didn't realize that he was the original director of Silver Bullet. And I don't just mean that he was attached to it, that he directed like three quarters of it, got frustrated. I had with, no idea. Yeah, he got frustrated I had, because... I had, never, I had never heard that. So what happened was that, um, Stephen King and Carlo Rambaldi had an idea of an ambiguous werewolf. They didn't really want it to have a divine shape, where Dino De Laurentiis wanted something closer to like the howling, when a big, hulking beast, just like in the book, Cycle of the Werewolf. And he said he filmed all the stuff that didn't include the werewolf sequences and production completely stopped. And he said, look, you guys have been arguing over this for months. You're not choosing something. I'm quitting. And that's when they got Daniel Atias or Atlias or whatever um, to finish the film. But I don't even know how that works with the DGA. I would think that he'd still have to get credit. But you guys know better than I do. It just depends on contracts and payoffs and how much work he actually did and how much work the new director actually did. I mean, just, I guess it just yeah, there's, there, there's a lot of potential loopholes there. Okay. Hey. Silver Bullet is actually on my list, though, yeah. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, just say, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't prep for that moment. <laughs> yes, yes, you led into that moment. So, so if we, Silver Bullet is probably the third horror film that I watch every Halloween. And, and you know, the thing about Silver Bullet is... It's kind of, you know, again, you know, Mike, we, we talked about this before about in the 80s, movies were just so anticlimactic in a way, you know. Um, and I feel like Silver Bullet is one of those films. Like the whole film is is it's funny, it's scary, it's it's suspenseful, it's, it's entertaining. And then, I don't know, I, I felt like it just ended too soon. It does seem really? truncated, but if you look, the book was short. I mean, it wasn't particularly, I think it was a novella, if I remember correctly. Um, but the movie, I think, was an hour and 46 minutes long. I just watched it last night, coincidentally. Was it really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's, uh, I don't know, I think it's because it moves really fast. Sometimes stories that don't waste a lot of space feel like they went by too fast. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, wait, how... Oh, it has been two hours? Holy shit, this is an entertaining movie. And then there's some that are like 75 minutes long. You're like, oh, sweet God, end this already. How many days have I been watching this? Yeah, I, I, th- I felt like the, the house, I mean, literally, they're falling asleep. They hear a noise. The werewolf crashes in. They lose the bullet. They find the bullet. They shoot the wolf. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it, what, what else do you want from it? It's vindication to red, right? It's vindication... From Uncle Red, <laughs> the great Gary Busey. God, he's so good. He, I swear he improvs all those lines because they just feel so natural. Well, he, he makes the film. I mean, you know, there's no question about that. It's, well, let's, it's, like, uh, let's give some credit to Corey and Megan Follows. Their relationship is why it's so strong. Um, the family bond, the, the struggles of 
growing up and kind of being at each other's, you know, uh, nerves. And then, you know, through this dire well, yeah, situation, yeah, they Edward come together. Edward McGill is the, uh, the preacher, you know. But I'd, I'd go as far as to say the moment, you know, Stephen King always, a lot of his movie adaptations have that great narration that they're kind of lifted from the books. Mm-hmm. And her narration, like at the very opening of Silver Bullet, they have me. Mm-hmm. You know what's weird, though? I mean, the, the town square. There's, yeah. The there's, voiceover on the town square. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's only a ten yeah. year difference. See, it was filmed. It was released in eighty five. It's set in seventy five. But when she narrates it, she doesn't sound like she's now twenty five. She sounds like she's sixty five. I always thought that was weird. It's like that's a raspy voice. Yeah, heavy smoker. <laughs> that's yeah. true. I've never actually thought about that. I just accepted the movie as perfect. <laughs> was that was was did James Gammon have a cameo? In, 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 uh, no, I don't remember him being. Oh yes, yes, he's in the very beginning. He's the one who's. Uh, he, he, yeah. He's the homeless guy, right? Or the yeah. uh, the guy on the railroad tracks? Right? Yeah, he's not homeless. He's a railroad drunk railroad. He's a drunk guy. Okay. He's a drunk. Yeah, yeah I thought, knew knew it was something like that. But um, yeah, that's you know that's to me that that's just one of those rare horror gems that kind of define the eighties. Yeah, and werewolf movies sure. are really hard to get right. You have like the three golden ones. You have the Howling, American Werewolf London, and Silver Bullet. And since then, yeah. it's been really, really rough. It's like one out of every ten um, work out. Now, you guys have Dark, made a Dark werewolf Soldier, movie. Dark Soldiers, are, yeah, oh, shit, I'm, I'm fucking it up. You did? Uh, My segue. Oh, no, but I mean. <laughs> Dark Soldiers is the last werewolf movie I remember liking. You know. Well, you liked that movie um, on the train, though, you said. Uh, yeah, I didn't think that was too bad. Um, what's it called? Howl. It's called Howl. Howl, yeah. Yeah. How do you like that segue? <laughs> but you but you guys are trying to make a werewolf movie, and when you when you put it together, um, what is it you tried to skip that went so horribly wrong in a lot of werewolf movies, and what did you try to get that worked in in, in the, the classics? That is a uh, a very complicated question. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, you know, I mean, let's 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 talk about my my last film, Howlers. Um, the biggest thing that you want to, that, that, that scares most people about doing a werewolf film is you don't want the werewolf to look cheesy. You know, you don't want the werewolf to look like it just, you know, came out of a 1985 MTV music video. Right. Um, so there's going to be, there's going to be budget issues to make those werewolves look good. I mean, the Wolfman, I think the Wolfman was, was, was a great, was a great monster movie. Um, and I thought they did a, an amazing job, but you know, that was universal and millions of dollars were involved. Um, but I basically did a, did a werewolf film where there are six werewolves. There are six werewolves in this outlaw game. And it was probably the worst. I mean, the worst kind of, kind of film you could try to make outside of, you know, a studio film budget because, prosthetics I had no idea were such a nightmare. Um, you know, they take hours of manpower to get on an actor's, you know, face and hands and feet. And and, um, and there's all these things that you don't realize. Like actors, like and I remember one day on, on, on set, an, an actor's prosthetics were basically melting off. Oh and I didn't, you know, none of, none of us understood why. And the makeup artist oh, said, I, I, I did. I did. I was, I was calling it Texas heat. Um, <laughs> well, but yeah. well, there was that. Yeah. But he, he had had a lot of alcohol the night before. And apparently you can't drink alcohol 
when you're dealing with prosthetics or they'll, they'll eat through the, uh, uh, the, the, the latex. So, you know, there's all these little things that, Good, good thing I didn't cameo as a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We we dodged a bullet there for sure. Um, yeah. Use a staple gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and that was another thing. Um, you know, I tried like I, I desperately tried to get the film shot in the winter time, but you know, just couldn't couldn't make people move fast enough. But um, so we ended up shooting it in. God, when did we shoot that, Chad? That was in the spring, right? Yeah, it was hot as balls. I know that. It was hot um, as hell. It was hot as hell. And, yeah. Yeah, was, I think it was like late April. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so so anyway, um, that was probably the, that, the the biggest challenge about making a werewolf film. But then, and, and that's before you're even talking about, you know, getting them on camera and getting them to do what they need to do and post-production and, you know, I, I I altered a lot of the voices. A lot of a lot of the actors don't know that yet, but I, well, I they altered, do now. They they, they do now. Um, I altered a lot of their voices in uh, in post production to make them sound a little more demonic. So, um, you know that I think that added a lot to it. But um, but yeah, no, Halvers was uh, not. I remember saying to Josh on set, "These werewolves talk." No. I'm just <laughs> Yeah, so that was my Walt Disney moment. <laughs> like, Chad, didn't you read the script? Like, I skimmed it. No. <laughs> well, what I notice in werewolf yeah. movies, they usually go in two different classes. They either do the huge mechanical, you know, you got animatronics, and you lose a lot of the actor in this. Or, or completely, like the way it is with, like, full animatronics. You chose to go in the direction of, like, say, uh, what is it, Wolf with Jack Nicholson, where you wanted the actor's personality to come out. Plus, they did have dialogue. You can't do that through animatronics. You have to do some sort of goofy Muppets voiceover thing, and that's not going to work. Um, right. But what, is it more cost-efficient? Is it easier on the actor to not have heavy, heavy prosthetics? Because you guys kind of, um, ha- like, I want to say half-wolfed them. Their human elements are still able to come out. Well, they were pretty miserable. Those actors were pretty miserable. Apparently, that the late the, the I mean the latex was was very painful, um, but they their mobility was was fine. It's just you know the problem is just we we'd be in the middle of a scene and all of a sudden a piece would start melting off, oh, no. peeling off, and you know it literally got to a point where I think he had this seat. You know, it's like he was basically gluing their face. You know putting glue on their faces and um you know it was you know some of the actors were completely cool with it they were so happy to be there and they didn't complain and then there were a few that you know um you know stomped their feet about it and um but for the most part i mean i think they turned out looking fairly well on on uh you know on camera and final final product so but I won't, you know, I won't do another werewolf film, <laughs> or, um, or even a, or even a, a creature film. Oh, I, you don't want to do a vampire film? You gotta have a holy well, trilogy. Well, no, unless, unless, unless I can, unless I know for a fact that I can, uh, you know, pull it off. 
you know. Yeah. Well, I'm you also kind of film. I thought you were doing it with me, Josh. I don't well, know. I don't know what's up. <laughs> well, you hey, were writing it. So somebody else could deal with directing it. <laughs> a lot of it's about bringing something fresh to the genre. If you're not saying anything new, what's the point? With this one, you do two things that I usually don't see in uh, werewolf films. First off, it's an action western, and two, usually with werewolf. Uh, movies, the main protagonist is a tortured soul who doesn't want to kill, and he's fighting it the whole way, whereas this one, it's like these guys have embraced the wolf side, and they've made it part of their life instead of fighting against it. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of crazy when it comes to, to stories sometimes. I mean, I, I really, uh, you know, sometimes I, you know, I, I, I go too far out of the box and and sometimes Chad has to reel me back into reality. And, um, you know, but this one, well, that's was, up to me. Yeah. And this one, was uh, this one in particular, you know, I came, I was reading a lot of Robert E. Howard at the time. Yeah. And, and I had nothing, this script was already, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. It like Chad, Chad didn't and, write. Yeah. 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 Chad, this, this is before Chad and I started working together. We, we actually met making this movie. Yes. Yeah, we did. And, how and how did you guys get together? I'm curious. Um, long story short, uh, you know, we, Josh was crewing up, kind of helping with the movie and I kind of, uh, came along and helped casting and was like, you know, I'll try and help you where and when I can kind of thing. You know, I like making movies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, the truth is we, we met on Tinder. That's, let's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> you're not my no. type, Josh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I hear you. Well, it doesn't have to be I sexual. Hear. Can't they have like a different Tinder for film industry? Do we like the same movies? Yes. Well, no. Yeah. We have. We also have. A, we also have a lot of mutual friends, like director. Yes. Director yeah. Will, Will Will Kaufman and uh, an actor stuntman Mike Lobo Daniel, and uh, we we knew a lot of the same people. But, yeah, so. yeah. Mike, Mike Daniel Lobo, our buddy Lobo, is actually who introduced us. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah and so. Lobo Lobo was in Daylight's Inn. He was one of the bikers. He was the big biker with the long. Uh, you've seen the movie. Um, orange jumpsuit, orange jumpsuit, <laughs> big shotgun at the opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big goatee. Big he's kind of hard to miss. Yeah, yeah, very hard to miss. Yeah, and he's in Howlers um, as well. He is. He is in Howlers as well. But yeah, you know, Chad. Um, you know, I didn't know who to help cast um, for for this lead character, and um, Chad just kind of threw out a couple people, and one of them was Chad Michael Collins that he knew, and and. Um, you know, that that made a lot of sense because he had just come off the or he was still currently doing the sniper, um, the, the sniper movies. And um, and then um, Chelsea Edmondson, who he knew, uh, she's in Daylight's End. She's yeah. in Daylight's End. And he, he, he I mean, she she did really well as the um, the country girl, pretty girl next door. And that's that's kind of what the role called for. And and. Um, and then Sean Patrick Flannery was, he was on our list. Um, we had some other people on our list, but um, Sean, Sean responded to the script fairly quick and, and um, he jumped on board. And, and, he's a good uh, time in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really funny. He does a really good job. And, uh, now, now, did you know him through William Kaufman? Because I remember he's in Sinners and Saints. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. He is in Sinners and Saints, but I, I did not know him. Okay. Um, I, I I had actually talked to him before because he was going to be in Daylight's End. Oh. Um, but then that didn't work out. Um, but I had nothing to do with him being in this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it was funny because so, Will Will came Will Kaufman came to the set one day and that Sean was there, so they got to 
kind of reunite a little bit, which was pretty funny. So, um, so, so anyway, is... we, uh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, when does this come out? Cause, um, I think it's January, right? Well, you know, we, at first they told us Halloween and all of a sudden it started creep Halloween started creeping up and so I called um, the distribution company um, and they said that the studio pushed it back to um, they want to do like a I don't know a, I guess a Valentine's kind of time frame I guess that's another good spot for horror films um, I thought it would it really would have done done a lot better on Halloween but um, you know it's 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 beyond my control. So um, it, what is true that we'll, stuff? It, the Valentine's Day always has that um, that flip side where people who hate Valentine's Day don't want to watch anything whatsoever romantic. And it, yeah, right. horror movies do well in February. Yeah, yeah, so. but, yeah, yeah. Like, and for all those lonely souls out there, like, fuck it, I want to watch a werewolf biker movie about a cowboy <laughs> brought back to life by a ninja to kill. A <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. For all those guys. <laughs> yeah, it's for those guys. <laughs> That was, dude. That was the best pitch ever, right there. That was a pitch, man. That was a pitch. I gotta say, I, I, I was like, I've seen it, and I want to see it again, just based on pitch. <laughs> I mean, it's all in there, you know. It um, is. No, no. I mean, I, I, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, look, it, the, cowboy the, ninja werewolf, killer. cowboy ninja and, werewolf. I mean, Chad was with me through that whole film, and he he saw what I went through. It was a very difficult shoot. Um, but you know, we got through it and we pulled it off. And um, you know, people gotta, always think you're cra- people always think you're crazy. But like, look, you're not curing cancer when you're making a film, especially mm-hmm. an independent film. You're not curing cancer. You're doing, you know. But making movies is really hard. Making Very independent hard. movies is really, really hard. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't I mean, phone it you know, in. You, you you have this vision and you have this thing and this idea of what it's going to be and how it's all going to go, and it just never goes like that. <laughs> never, ever, never, ever. Yeah, never. No, I mean, it's, and I, movies are, are hard in the best of circumstances. I, 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 I mean, I, I'll go as far as to say, I, you know, I've had some movies where I kind of skated through them as just a writer, you know, hey, yeah, how you guys doing? What's up? And then I've had like three really, really hard shoots back to back. That would be Daylight's In, Isolation with Dominic Purcell, and then Howlers. And these movies yeah. were just monstrous as, as, they as far as whatever can go wrong goes yeah, but, wrong but i've noticed yeah. that usually the best movies come from difficult shoots if it's really easy i think bruce campbell said it, is like if it's a really easy shoot it's probably gonna be a piece of shit well i guess there's 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 truth in that i mean it's howlers i think is i mean you've seen the film michael yeah you, seen, you know i, I think it, it turned it looked it, you know it looks really good and it's you know i think it, it does what it's you know supposed to but um, you know we were we were dealing with, with with forces you know that were you know working against us that you know and it was just beyond our control you know and, it's called nature of the beast yeah nature of the beast <laughs> not starring so, not the know, one starring Lance Henriksen and uh, Lance Eric Roberts, and Eric Roberts yeah. <laughs> although I love that movie that you know, I, I'm not supposed to say that because it's directed by a piece of shit pedophile yeah but, yeah yeah but I do I do love the Jeepers Creepers films as well but I hate that director you know so yeah I agree I like to I separate I, I separate the artist from the art that's the only way to get through it I, well I, I I do too that's how I'm able to watch those films um and I still watch them. I've watched them repeatedly. And normally I separate it, but, you know, he, he's like the one where I'm kind of like, look, I don't want anybody judging my movies based on me, okay? 
<laughs> but I'm not fucking a, a pedophile piece of shit. Yeah, he. I'm surprised he was able to continue doing movies. I, re- I really am. It's I'm a really shock. Yeah, a lot of people look the other way. It's just it's kind of evil. Um, speaking of evil, well, what's next on the list? Think, <laughs> I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna do that anymore. I don't, I, I no, think it's, it's pretty much done. They're really they're really tightening yeah. up on on that now. But um, yeah, no, no. I mean, in the hands of everything. And Washington's like, let's get dirty, bitches. Right? It's like yeah. the politician side is like, no, we don't care. We're good. And the and entertainment yeah. industry is yeah, like, yeah, hold the phone. In, in Hollywood, you know, in the movie-making industry, nothing is safe. You know, nothing goes now. Can't do, you know, nothing. Which is good. I mean, look, it needed a, a cleanse, right? Mm-hmm. But in Washington, they're just like, yeah, that's for Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, God, ho- Hollywood has more morals than, the, than our politicians do. Isn't that, that ironic? Because they're always saying that the Hollywood is what's ruining America, and I'm like, mm, I don't know. Hold on a second. Hit the mix. You want to get you want to get you you want to get clean from DC? Go to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're yeah. at the halfway Walk point. Church. What uh, yeah. what's next on our list? Okay, um, you guys are gonna laugh, but I'm gonna throw it out there. Maniac Cop. Oh, you know what? Oh, I'm I... gonna laugh, Bill. Bill Lustig, man. No. Yeah. I got to say, I like Larry two Cohen. and three. Larry I love Cohen. the sequels. I love the sequels, too. Yeah. Maniac Cop, man. I, you know, this this was one that just really creeped up on me. I um, I guess it was summer of, I don't know, 89, 90 or whenever they came out. I, I, I just happened to catch the, the first one on TV. And and um, this is back when we had TV guides, you know, we had actual paper TV guides. You read and, the TV uh, guide, you know. Yeah, and I saw this part two <laughs> and three were on were on later at night, and um, I just got hooked on those films. I was like, man, these are just. And I, I, I still watch them to the day. I bought all three of the Blu-rays, and they still hold up. I mean, you got Bruce Campbell in the first one. You I'm got still um, mad. Um, that's the only thing that makes me mad is part two in the first ten minutes. They erase everything yeah. they did in the first movie. I'm like, oh, yeah. But they, then the action kicks in. Like, Bruce Cam- well, okay. they killed off Bruce Campbell, but they did bring in Robert Dobby as kind of this fedora wearing detective, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. So. Um, well, it's one of the rare the sequences, one, rare uh, uh, things where the sequels were actually higher budgeted. I don't know if it did insanely well in video, but it's kind of like a flat film, the first one. And the second and third uh-huh. one, all of a sudden, it's got better action, it's got better cinematography, it's a little bit funnier, and it's just like, oh, someone actually put some serious cash into this. Now, did the first one ever go to theaters? I don't know. I was too young. I wasn't even allowed to watch horror movies until I was about 14 or 15, so I didn't get into oh, it until around right. 92. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, they were just, I don't know, These I've just always thought of Maniac Cop as just these little sleeper works of, you know, labors of love that just, I don't know. They're, they're, well, you, 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 just look, 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 just speaking from a writing point of view, Larry Cohn, you know, Maniac yeah. Cop, right? Writer? Yeah. I just watched this great documentary on a side note called King Cohen, which is about Larry Cohen, who mm-hmm. is like probably who I kind of like fancy myself in the tradition of if I do. Right. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. love Larry Cohen. I've all, I grew up loving all of Larry Cohen's stuff. And what's yeah. so weird about his career is it makes no sense. OK, he'll do a studio film. He'll do something really weird, like it's alive about a killer baby. And then somehow the sequels are are higher budgeted than the original. You know, right. Right. Um and, and Maniac Cop the same way, even though he didn't direct that. That was Bill Lustig. Um, did did Lustig do actor? I don't. I, that's a good question. Um, 
Um, I think I think they're the same same filmmakers. Yeah, I want to say Larry Cohen was part of the first movie. Like he was a producer or a co-writer of the first one. He, he, well, right? he was a writer of the first one for sure. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I just confirmed via the good old IMDb. Uh, Bill William Lustig did all three. Man, he did all three of them. Okay, yeah. and the third one was was cool because it was kind of a hospital horror thing. Um, and an interesting an interesting factoid that I don't know if everybody knows is William Lustig, director of Maniac Cop, was the first director attached to direct True Romance, my favorite movie. I didn't know oh, that. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. Um, he was actually, Tarantino had, you know, reached out to him, met him somewhere, you know, in Hollyweird, and um, he had attached him to direct, and they were just going to do it for, like, you know, 500 Kers. And then, yeah. you know, ultimately, Reservoir Dogs and... He ended up selling it to, you know, Morgan Creek, Tony Scott, Yachty. Man, that would have been a whole different, what it is. whole different ball game. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny because the script's not entirely different than the movie, but, you know, there would have definitely been some differences for sure. There wouldn't have been Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper, for one thing. It would have been like um, Leo Rossi and uh, Robert Loggia. Robert Davi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. John Michael Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I haven't killed anybody since nineteen ninety three. I'm Robert <laughs> John, John Michael Vincent would have been Clarence for sure. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well oh, yeah. maybe yeah. ten years earlier, yeah. yeah. Man. Man, what a Well this this was sometime or this was a good five years earlier. Oh, okay. And God, is it so terrible it what has been... happened to Jan Michael Vincent? I mean I'm a huge Airwolf fan and then I was looking him up recently, I'm like, Oh, the drinking really has destroyed him. No, it, yeah, no, it definitively did and it you know it's uh you know my aunt did um a movie with him um the mechanic uh 1972 bronson film and um she played his wife in the movie and what she stayed in touch with him yeah she stayed in touch with him over the years and um you know that i mean that's that's why he left air white he pretty much got canned off of airwolf was because of his drinking and, and i mean it was other stuff too but um you look at him. You look at him today. He. Uh, I've would, never seen him. You wouldn't. Rec- you wouldn't recognize. He's him. missing a leg. Yeah, he's missing his leg. Yeah, he lost his leg. Yeah. He can't remember. He, he can't remember being an actor. Period. He doesn't remember no, any of it. No. It's, it's so bizarre. If you watch, any of it. he didn't know. If you watch Big Wednesday, yeah. you can almost see the trajectory of all three of those people in those characters. Like you know. Um, William Cat, you know, end up being the safe, bland one. I mean, he, he, I like him as an actor, but I mean, his life was pretty um, average. And then Gary Busey's was kind of big, and then crash. And then the whole way you can just see the tortured soul of Jan Michael Vincent. Like that's just oh well, this movie's prophetic. And he was huge in the seventies. I mean, he was you know he was a movie star in yeah. the seventies. I mean, he you know um, I mean you couldn't get much bigger than Jan Michael Vincent and. Um, yeah, Airwolf was his real finale. Then he really kind of slid into the uh, the B movie world, and um, that's too bad. Yeah, you got to get up to get down, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think one of the last films he did, he was so drunk they just couldn't couldn't get anything out of him, and I think his agent dropped him, and that was that was all she wrote. No, now terrible. I think he lives with doesn't he live off the, out in um, like Mississippi or something? Yeah, yeah, on the whatever the. What do you get when you get older? Is it the same thing as Social Security when you're in the Actors Union? How does that work? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm sure he still gets – I mean I guess he would still get something, some kind of money yeah. from 
Okay, we got we got real depressing there, and <laughs> we segued yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is oh what me and Chad God, do. God, we segue I... off. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's I feel I feel like trying to reach out to John Michael Vincent. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they just say send cash. Um, <laughs> what what's next on our list? The next one on the list, um, I got a bunch of them here. Let me, let me pick one. I'm sorry, but we have to talk about Halloween three. We have to because it's a standalone kind of film. And I feel like that film never gets a fair shake. Why are we apologizing for a Tom Atkins film? I mean, this is Tom Atkins here, man. And Tommy Lee Wallace, let's not forget. And Tommy Lee Wallace, yes. I mean, I'm convinced that this film had just come out John Carpenter's Season of the Witch. Yes. It would be a classic today. It's a weird, it's so strange. It, It sticks out like, I mean, the intro alone is so memorable. It's got all these moments that are like just cult worthy, but I think a lot of it is. That it is an oddball, weird movie. Even if it wasn't associated with Halloween, I think it would have done better at the box office and better reception. But I still think it would have been kind of a niche that really digs into it. Yeah, but I think time has been kind to this movie in the sense that we've now kind of separated it from Michael Myers in a mm-hmm. sense. You know, right. I think there's a lot. There's a huge fan base for this movie who's kind of went, you know, it's not a Halloween movie. <laughs> But it's a good movie. Yeah, I still think it's wrong. I, mean, it's, it's, I, I, I thought the series should have gone off into an anthology immediately um, because there are some iterations of the Halloween franchise that just I don't think they belong, especially Resurrection. They should have just gone in a different direction with uh, just more Halloween-oriented stories. Yeah, that was that <laughs> you, was the you, film that killed it for sure. You, you know? mean you don't like Busta Rhymes yeah, kicking like, Michael Myers? Come on, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, we just talked about yeah, this yesterday. Yeah. We're like, uh, just every single line is just like, okay, uh, let's just try this one. Okay, that's good. Let's try this catchphrase. It's like all he does is spout catchphrases, and we're like, no, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Now that, that that's a sequel. I'm glad they're they're ignoring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think uh, Halloween three is just it's just a highly creative Carpenter, Deborah Hill film. And, um, you know, Tom Adkins, I mean, God, that guy was I, w- I wish he'd do more. I wish he could have done more. Yeah. You know? Well, it's I mean, uh, didn't, Night of the Creeps, I think, is definitely his greatest role. <laughs> that's what, oh, that's sure. what I was going to say. Night of the, the Creeps. Is, and um, the good I mean, he showed up in Lethal Weapon. Weapon. He showed up in Lethal Weapon. Bad news is they're dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, I mean, he had a career. And just, you know, surprisingly, he just didn't do. Well, you know, he did uh, My Bloody Valentine, the reboot. He was, he was That's true. Sheriff. Isn't that he was, in Drive Angry? Yeah. Am I wrong? He, was a he cop? is in Drive Angry. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was the same director. So oh, I totally is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he had an appreciation um, for Tom Atkins. But, um, but anyway, I had, well, to, see, get that see, had see, to get that See, I have an appreciation and love for all these guys, too, but. Like, half the time you're fighting forces, um, you say, I want to cast so-and-so, and a, a, a producer or a so-called money man is like, no, he doesn't mean anything for him. Yeah, yeah. And you're not able to cast the people that you want. But, I mean, if it was up to me, I probably would have cast three times already and, you know, Lance more than once and oh, yeah. you know, so on and so forth. That's what you, well, know, you I both think worked with Lance. I just forgot. You both have worked with him. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, and and I think what's sad is these guys just just feel like they're they're just forgotten, you know. And it's just, well, I don't think I don't think that's true. And here you go getting all sad. I'm not getting all sad. I'm just saying. I mean, these, I mean, these producers just act like they're, you know, when you want to put in Lance well, Henriksen in the movie. I mean, there should be no argument there. 
Well, I think it's – here's yeah, one that confuses true. me is Zach Galligan is um, the everyman. And for some reason, he only gets cast in like very, very low-budget movies. And I was like, is there anybody more likable yet more ignored than Zach Galligan? Yeah, I, I, I was just I, I was, I was just talking to somebody about him. Well, the, I mean the list, the list goes on, right, of, of like, you know, people – like when I came into this business uh, four scores and, you know, however years ago – there was like a whole list of people. I still have the list, right? I still try to sneak these people in um, when I can, but it's it's just very hard because you know a lot it of is. times you're making money with limited money and limited resources, and you know you don't want to go at somebody with a smack in the face who you respect, and at the same well, time, you know, you I mean you're you're right. You're there. not allowed to get more money for you know whoever it is, whether it be Tom Atkins or you know whoever. Well, and I think I think you're on to something there as well because these guys also have – they've also said, hey, this is how much I usually make. You know, pay this or, you know. Everybody has a quote. Yeah. yeah, they all have price, and if, if you can't meet it, then, you know, it's – you know. It, to to yeah, offer them less is a smack in the face is basically what you're saying. Like, look, yeah, I love you. Yeah, you're yes, great in yeah. this. I can't offer you this. I have to give you scale. Or we're going to hire that guy over there because, you know, tax rebates or whatever reason will make yeah. it easier on and then, us. And, and, why sh- and why should they work for scale? I mean, really, no. you know, if you think about it, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, it should be worth, it should be worth an actor's time, you know, especially if they're traveling out of state. You know, I think yeah, we I, talked about in the last, the last segment that we did. But, yeah, I mean, um, if they offer, like, I really love this role, I want to do it, I'll take less for it, that's cool. But for you, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, the, it's hard for you to yeah. go, you're not worth it, sorry. Yeah, no, the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's there's a lot of people who I'm like, okay, I, I have X amount of dollars allotted for this role and not a penny more. I'm not going to go at somebody I like and respect. You know, let's just use Tom Atkins for an example, who I grew up watching, and be like, hey, you want to do this movie for a bucket of chicken? I'm just not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. What uh, What's next? Well, back, to, um, back to the list. Back to the list. Um, how much time do we got? Oh, we can go longer. I just usually cut it off at an hour because I'm an old man. <laughs> yes, we're all we're all we're all old now, God. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, how about a house? So. How about house? Well, well Chad, I don't well, think Chad's, Chad's not forty yet, right? We're we're both above. We're like no, no. I just turned forty last week. Uh, let me put my teeth in. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. well, but 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 it's funny because House is William Cadigan, right? Yeah. We were just talking about William Cadigan. We were just talking about. Well, William and Cadigan. Fred Decker because we just talked about Night of the Creeps. He wrote this. Fred his Decker. First yeah. 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 Fred oh, Decker, man. And, I wish and he actually, had a longer. Steve Miner, he did H two O. Well, this is a circular. <laughs> circular. Yeah. Um, yes. Fred Decker, I wish had had a longer career. Yeah, it's kind of strange. There's such a long gap in the middle. And when I heard that he was doing Predators, I was hoping that Shane Black was going to step back. And let him do Predators. I didn't realize the budget was going to be, what, $80 million? I thought it was going to be like a $30 million, like, tight, scrappy film. So I was like, oh, Fred Decker's totally going to direct this. No, I was wrong. But it is nice to see him back. Well, and, and, I, and I'm going to defend uh, the new Predator, actually, in the sense that, did you see it? I have yeah, not. I, saw it. I want to wait till video. Okay. I don't go to the theater anymore. I tell you the truth, okay, I, I used I, to go I, a dozen times a year. Now I go maybe two or three. Yeah, I, I see everything. I, I I love the new Predator as a '80s throwback Fred Decker movie, or you know even let's call it even '90s whatever. It doesn't feel like a Predator movie, but it feels like a Fred Decker Shane Black collabo joint. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like they got this. They they took elements of this unproduced script they had called Shadow Company and, and made that movie. Yes. You know, under under the name Predator. Yes. Yeah. You know, well, that, that's not the um, first time it's been done. And speaking of the House franchise, this is one of the weirdest franchises because um, I still remember seeing House 4 on the shelf and going, well, where the hell is House 3? And discovering later that the horror show was actually House 3, but it's not. And then with overseas, Lance Henriksen. Yeah, and it's just like, with, what's what? With what Lance would, <laughs> where is this franchise going? Well, apparently... That is, part, you, know, you know, that's weird because that's a memory I actually have, too, of seeing House 4 at the video store and going, wait a second. I'm, and I... No, oh, we lost him. No, we lost him. No, no, he's yeah. back. He's okay. back. He's back. Yeah, no, no, I'm here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't just go to the video store and miss House Three. So when I saw House Four, I was like, "Wait a second, what happened?" Well, apparently they had they were trying to sell it in Europe under a different title, and then they just wanted to start a new franchise. Something something weird happened with that because. And then they turned around and tried to do part four like it was a sequel to two, and but it had nothing to do with part two. <laughs> well, well, the fourth so, one is connected to the first one because of William Cat in a way. It still seems like they kind of way. erased. Yeah, it's yeah. like they still erased a lot of it. Yeah, it was a very odd, um, odd way to kind of tie up the William Cat story. Yeah. Um, but the first but, one um, is a crackerjack fun little. Uh, let's scare you and have fun at the same time. And uh, yep. really tightly budgeted, New World, uh, rechristened without Roger Corman. It was really a breakout hit for them, and I think it carried them for quite some time. It's still a shock, though, that their most successful film is Soul Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. So, so let's see. So, Fred, so what I happened? promise you, Soul Man would not happen today. <laughs> no, no way in hell. No, no. no. So what happened? Yeah, so, Fred, so I've got this Fred pitch. Did. I've got this pitch. Uh, it's about C. Thomas Powell, and well, he's a soul man, you know. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What do you? What do you mean? What do you mean by that, Chad? Well, he's, you know, he kicked um, out of the room, you know. Yeah, he's he's not white in this movie. Okay. Did uh, I mean what happened to Fred Decker? Why did he quit? Well, he kind. Of, I mean, it kind of was all after RoboCop three, right? Well, I don't know uh, the full story. I know this is what I know because I was listening to a podcast with him. He was on Mick Garris's podcast where it wasn't so much he stopped getting offers to direct, but then he started getting a lot of writing work and he started working for um, Zemeckis doing stuff for Tales from the Crypt. And then he was supposed to be the head writer on um, Two Fisted Tales. They did the pilot. HBO decided not to pick it up. And then after that, he was just kind of just writing scripts and, and selling them, but they never got made. They ended up on Enterprise, and then that was it for the longest time. I don't know if he was still selling stuff and it wasn't getting made, but that's the last real credit that I know of is Enterprise. Okay. Well, and that yeah. happens all the time. I mean, I can tell you I've sold more movies than I've made, you know, already. You know, so Where do those go? Just not, a giant pile of maybes eventually? They just go into, yeah, they, yeah, the they just go into this vault ether of like, you know, maybe one day. Do you get the rights back after some time, or do they have them forever? You can buy them back at some point. But you buy? You have to buy your own yeah. script back. What? Well, Who's gonna do that? Yeah, I mean, know? yeah, it's 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 a pretty weird thing. It's like, well, that happened to what I thought was gonna be my second movie, right? Um, called The Irishman, which is a great script that I loved, I still love to this day. And I was like, cool, this is gonna be a great second film, and I was paid handsomely, and then it just disappeared we even scouted locations and everything so on that wow. movie like we went a long ways well i uh, remember we philadelphia scouted location. yeah the first time i had heard of you was through your uh, william tell script 
And I remember like oh, right, years right. later, I had seen you on Facebook and I was like, holy shit, that dude. And I'm like, friended you, whatever. And uh, we were talking about it one time. And it's just one of those, I desperately want you want it to get made. And I guess there's some sort of like, well, someone else owns it now and they're never going to let it go. Well, and, and that and, and that movie is interesting, too, because we had Brendan Fraser attached, right? Um, we had two directors. One director was on. Another director came on, Eric Brevik, who did Journey to the Center of the Earth 3D mm-hmm. with Brendan. Um, and then, I mean, we did a lot of stuff for that, too. Locations in Romania, and there was a big litter. Um, Brendan and I, very closely on the script. I mean, laid out and went to bars for, like, straight, working on the script. <laughs> and everybody going, hey, Encino Man. Um, and then it just didn't, no, it's serious. Like that's what, that was surprising. And that was like what he was known for when we were out of bars, having a couple beers, trying not to, not even the mummy. You know. See, that's what I was thinking of being George of the jungle, the mummy. <laughs> no, it was so weird because all, you know, all these drunk guys are like, dude, it's seen a man. And I'm like, Oh really? Wow. <laughs> of course I'm such a dork. I've been like blast from the past made me a man, <laughs> learn how to respect others and show them good manners. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, I still feel bad that they were so mean to you in school ties, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. School ties, that's right. Jeez. How did we get here? But anyway, <laughs> oh, I don't, uh, no, we're talking about Fred, you know, Fred Decker and oh, right, several right, scripts right. and movies that don't happen. And you know, my point being is like, you know, it's a crazy business and that happens all the time. Like you could think that a writer is not, like, let, let me just use myself for an example. Now, I do actually keep a pretty steady flow of movies compared to most people. It's kind of crazy. Um, but you could think that a writer was not worth I, I, Let me put it this way. I'm writing every day, literally every day. Well, okay, let's say Saturday and Sunday I don't write. But five days a week I'm writing scripts, and I'm selling a script. I'm selling more than one script a year. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean those are all movies that are getting made. So even if I went two to three years without a, you know, a produced feature, it would be pretty common that I'd sold, you know, five, five scripts somewhere along the line. What do you, how does that work? Right. Do you get a, pay, uh, a fee up front based on the whole thing? Like say they're going to offer you 50,000 and they give you like 10% up front and I you mean, get the rest when it gets made? Well, it, I mean, it, 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 look, it depends on the deal. It could happen any number of ways. Okay. Um, but usually, usually they somebody obtains the rights forever quote unquote oh you know and a movie disappears mm-hmm. is when you're so like my script the irishman or william tell for example i was paid it complete um all you know the whole fee so it's not like i'm owed any money or you know anything like that and therefore those movies unless they get made are you know vanishing acts no yeah <sighs> it happens that's terrible <laughs> it happens all right. Well, I'm sorry about wandering off into the woods again with more uh, random questions that have nothing to do with our list. What's after house? <laughs> What's after house? Oh, gosh. Let's see. What would be interesting to talk about? Um, God, there's so many to choose from. Um, let's see. What the thing? Uh, 1982 is the thing. Do you hate yeah, the remake? The I'm curious. I'm actually okay with it. I don't think it's great by any means, but I'm okay with it. I don't hate it. I I think a remake being just okay is the worst kind of remake you can imagine. Now, and here's why. If you're going to make a remake, swing for the fences, and if it becomes awful, great. You remember it for being awful. That's true. Wicker and Man. <laughs> the Wicker Man is it, insane. <laughs> right, 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 right. Remake, like, I forget that that even exists. And I just saw it again recently, and I'll tell you, I like the opening 
you know, um, no, no, the ending. Wait, is it the opening or the it's ending? It's the end. It's the end. Yeah, with the with wolves the wolf. And the, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. The wolf. So I like that the opening or the ending of the remake leads into the John Carpenter, Kurt Russell, Keith David version. But that's it, kind of. Like, I mean, it, the movie's fine. It's fine, but it's very, very forgettable. True. I think, again, it just could have been retitled and then something else. You know, it's just, But then it's, it would still be forgettable. <laughs> yeah, it would. Well, it totally would. But it's like, you know... Um, and I actually like that actress. I just, you know, it's just uh, the film itself. It's just, yeah, it's just very. I like the, I like Joel Egerton. I like the cast. You know, yeah. I like a lot about it. Um, yeah. But you know, but, when we're talking about remakes, it's like *Fright Night* is a movie that I did not want to see remade, but I love the remake. It's a great remake. So, yeah. To, yeah. To my surprise, I love that remake. I, I heard the, the weirdest reasoning for not liking it. And so many people are like, well, well, Jerry Dandridge, not Jerry Dandridge, I'm sorry, Peter Vincent isn't a horror host anymore. I'm like, yeah, because they're not relevant. Do you understand how this works? Yeah, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you, you literally, uh, I had that co- talk with someone recently, too, was like, if you made Jerry Dandridge a horror host in the remake, it would be an alternate reality. like <laughs> Or public access, and he wouldn't be a known. He would not be known. No, nobody would know who he was. It'd be I mean, like, I guess unless he was like a YouTube star. Maybe, so he, but still, there's got to yeah. be a lot of those out there that nobody knows. It's just not a thing anymore. Well, he, he, Except he, Joe Bob. He, I mean, even yeah, but I mean that, and that's even for you know old people who remember him right from before. True. Um, and and if you think about uh, the the character in Gremlins too, uh, I can't remember the Robert Prosky, right? Yeah. Kind of yeah. sad, and I mean, even then, that was a dying thing, and his character was all based around like. I can no longer be the horror host. <laughs> Who am right, I? Right. You know, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, 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 even though I prefer Roddy McDowell and that whole angle in the first movie, I get it because you cannot do it. You can't. You, you couldn't do it when the Friday Night remake came out, and Friday Night remakes already. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I mean, I I was surprised that Colin Farrell signed on to that, but when I saw it, I. I can see why, because it was actually a very, very stylish, um, you know, well-done horror film. Yeah, yeah and, re- and remakes are hard, because I do think if you are doing a remake, you have to, um, you know, you I, I feel like you have to have something to, like, the thing, John Carpenter's thing in and of itself is a remake, right? Yeah. Like, it's the, the, the remake yeah, it of the thing yeah. from another world, you know? Yeah. But John Carpenter had a movie to do, a story to tell, a way to tell it. So it was, you know... It's almost like people don't remember the original, and they remember Carpenter's version. Right, um, and here's the thing: is it's not about the special effects, even though that is a showstopper. He focused on paranoia and and um, metaphors for cancer and stuff like that. Uh, everybody says AIDS, but in 1981, when this was being made, no one really knew what that was. So I don't know what they're thinking, but um, no, it, it yeah, was, no, it, it's no. the I mean, bones. That was like- that's the important part, not so much the special effects. Everything that they laid down for the characters is why it works. You know what John Carpenter was always great at was fear and paranoia, right? This is why yeah. we need Carpenter to come back and make a film right now. Yeah, we do. Well, his Siege movies. Um, the thing is not usually lumped in with the Siege movies, but I think it is. Um, are, are usually my favorites because it's overwhelming odds against these guys, and they have to be like, you know, uh, find a way around it. Like you love Ghost of Mars, I'm a little frustrated with it, but I get why you like it, and I get what's appealing about it. But also like Assault on Precinct 13. I feel like there's another one. Um, even the end of the fog is kind of a siege. That's it. Usually, just what works with his films right. is oh, uh, Prince sort of Darkness. Of, yeah. That's the other one. Yeah, he's he's yeah, the king and, of siege movies. Well, know? and it's fun. Yeah, no, I mean, I could go on and on about my love for Carpenter. I don't even quite know how we got here. We oh, remake thing. Okay. Yes. Um, 
But yeah, like Prince of Darkness, I still don't entirely know what it's about, but I love it. That yeah, sequence, you know, the video, the sequence when they come what, down that hallway and they show just a glimpse of the devil down that uh, weird VHS tape is one of the most terrifying moments in film to me. It's that film still scares me. I mean, to the day, it still scares me. I mean, it's it's um, you know, he's just you know he. But again, you know, Carpenter was you know. He, he was he was there at the right time, you know. I mean, he, he got well, to and, do. But if I mean, I don't know if it's just that. Like, this is a talent that you don't see very well. Often. But he got like, to execute it because of you know the time that he was in. I mean, he, you know, I mean, who who does these kinds of movies? Well, know? well, but you you watch a Carpenter film and it's almost like his own him, him their score, you know. Um, like from start to finish, it's like his music starting. We're seeing the kids in the school. There's very few pieces of that movie that don't have a piece of music playing, right? Oh yeah. And it's like it just has a tempo that kind of is like guiding the film the whole mm-hmm. way. Yeah. You know? Well, it's also that. And, but I think and we, tried, was, we honestly tried to riff on it. Yeah, horror but, movies are not shot in two point three five anymore, and I think that's it, it brings it up a different level where a lot of those movies at that time. Um, seemed like they were fit for video and television, where this is like you had to show this in 70 millimeter on the big screen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, but again, that was the time when you shot on, you know, you shot on film, you shot on 35, you shot, you know, you actually, I mean, they actually went to wherever, fucking Alaska, or wherever they went to to shoot that thing, whereas now they would just shoot it on a soundstage. You know, I mean, it's all these little things make a difference, you know, and um, I don't know if you guys saw the ward. Did you guys see the ward? I did. Yeah, yeah, I liked yeah, it. yeah. Amber Heard. Yeah. What did you guys think of that? I was fine with it. I, Not, I, I heard a lot of hate for it, but I enjoyed it. I liked it. It, I, I, it wasn't the Carpenter. Yeah, it wasn't. I, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't Carpenter. It wasn't Carpenter. I didn't hate it. And I should actually now that we're talking about it, this movie is worth a revisit for me. So I would like to do that. Yeah, I just saw it recently, and uh, I mean, I, I you know I didn't see the twist coming, and I I, I thought it was it was well done. It just didn't I don't even have... remember the twist, so don't tell me now. <laughs> oh, I won't tell you, but it it, it definitely uh, I mean it caught me yeah caught me by surprise, but um, and, and it was creepy, but um, but yeah, no, it just didn't have that uh, that carpenter stamp to it, you know. Yeah, I, that what I do remember feeling was you know. It just didn't have, it, yeah, it just didn't leave me with um, the feeling that all these other Carpenter, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, a Carpenter, I, I apologize for Carpenter all the time, because I think even like his, you know, even when he fails, he wins most of the time, right? Yeah, no, um, I agree. I mean, can I say that I, LA, Ghost of Mars, I like I, I love all those. Memoirs, Invisible Man, I will stand up for. It doesn't particularly feel like his kind of movie, but I think it's much better than people give it credit for. I'm just like, it's not a piece of shit. It's nowhere nearly as good as it should be, but it's better than you say it is. Right. Well, and I just saw Body Bags for the first time, and I thought that was good. You know? I wish uh, that had taken off. That would have been fun. Great, great anthology. Um, he wasn't quite the Crypt Keeper, I'll, I'll, I will say that. No, no, uh, but it was Showtime's <laughs> answer to that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, and then, but, you know, um, going back into the thing real quick, though, I'll set this back. What happens at the end? In your opinion? Well, I know what happens because it continues into yeah. the comic book. Dark Horse bought the rights he, in 92 he, and continued it. I know, but... But let's forget that. Okay, okay. Let's just say that. Let's just talk like the movie is the movie, because I, I never like to bring canon into stuff. Must uh, you know? 
dismay of Star Wars enthusiasts everywhere. Just based off the movie, right? Let's forget every... Well, I, I just think they both die. They both just die there, and, and maybe eventually... That's what I think, too. There has to be some yeah, sort I, of... Um, um, checks and balances with that station. Someone has to come and check on them when they don't respond in so long. And they're just going to like, I don't know if they're going to, they're going to take the bodies back with them to study why they died or bury them or something. And it's just going to activate again in another uh, village. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I, I want to do this movie, but wouldn't it be interesting? You know, people come back, they bring the bodies back and they take the yeah, thing you know, back to civilization, right? Mm-hmm. No snow. You'd make a completely different movie, completely different version of the thing. And I'm like, well, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Now I'd miss the shit out of McCready. But, well, right. Yeah. McCready, yeah, man. That's... No, I got it. I got right. it. McCready lives. But the thing is so traumatized and he loses his mind. And he's, you no, know, he's, he's also like, um, the cops are after him because they think he killed all those bodies, so he has to change identities. He goes on the road as a trucker and changes his name to Jack Burton. <laughs> <laughs> and then his eye gets shot out, and he looks <laughs> into the future, and he's like, just call me Snake. <laughs> like, I mean, McCready's lost it again. He's changed his personality. Talk, talk about three iconic characters, you know? I mean, McCready, Jack Burton, and Snake Plissken. It's amazing. All John Carpenter. And uh, I gotta say, Bone Tomahawk is just absolutely fascinating. I can't believe that yeah. it's uh, it barely yeah. got released. I fucking love that movie, by the way. I'm a big Craig Zoller fan. Like, I think, I think, uh, I think Zoller is like, like the real deal. All right, so we director of Bone Tomahawk. We are at the hour point, so it's probably time to wrap up. What else is on? Like, just quick, real quick, like discussion about what's left on your list. I mean, I had some some rare stuff. I had, um, you know, The Evil Dead. I had Friday the Thirteenth. I had um, what's an Ninja obscure Three one? Domination. Come on now, guys. Ninja Three Domination. Oh, boy, sure. uh, let's have a ninja kill three thousand cops in the first five minutes, and then let's go into disco dancing. You're like, what? <laughs> that sounds good I to mean, me. Only in the '80s could you get away with that. You know? Only with '80s and Canon pictures could you get away with that. Yes. Yeah. Canon pay our dear our dear Canon pay. Whatever happened well, to Lucinda Dickey? I thought it might be Dickey. interesting to talk about um, Friday the Thirteenth just because of all the legality that's going on with it. And, yeah. But um, you know, there, there's a, there's a movie where the writer just got back the rights. Yeah, he did. Oh, nice. He, he won. He won the settlement. Yeah. Yeah. The writer got but, back the rights. But apparently, the there's still questions on the title, right? Well, no, because Jason turns into a zombie with the hockey mask. In the sequels, Uh-oh. so they're like, does he Uh-oh. does he own that? Oh, you know, crap. so so this is going to go on for, you know, well actually he wouldn't if he didn't come up with that he's not going to own that, right? Um, yeah, he would own little boy Jason in the lake. I'd be like making a movie called Voorhees about a kid pulling people in the water. Yes, uh, I mean clearly know. all he wants is money, right? I mean that's. Well, I mean, I, I mean, maybe, but I mean, I'm sure that has something to do with it. But I mean, you know, intellectual property, you know. Um, I see Blumhouse I mean, knocking on somebody's he's door. Cre- he's credited. He's credited on all the films. Right. So, uh, so is I'm there anything he got paid? Is there anything something. really obscure on your list that you would like to recommend me? The audience doesn't know. You know, all I can think of is I literally just watched that Into the Dark. You know, that new Blumhouse anthology movie last night and. It is stuck with me all day. Um, it's a new. It's a new. Look, they're they're going to do one horror movie a month on Hulu. Oh, okay. Huh. And it's 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 produced by Blumhouse, 
And this film, I mean, it just, I mean, first of all, this just came out of nowhere and I watched it last night. It's called The Body. The first one's called The Body. And it's about a hitman who on Halloween night is trying to dispose of the body of, of, of his victim. And he keeps running into all these problems <laughs> and like witnesses. And I mean, and the whole thing is just, it's, it's, it's very dark. It's very intense. It's gory. Oh, so it's not and, a dark comedy. I see. That seems like it's right for a comedy. Well, it's, it's funny in parts, but it's, you know, it takes itself. I mean, the tone is very, you know, it's very horror, but, um, you, you, you know what though, the best horror, since we're talking about comedy to me, the best horror usually is sort of funny, right? Like, I mean, even the thing, when it just culminates into the two of them, you know, at the end, it's kind of like, that's scary and and all these things, but it's sort of like, ironically funny in some weird kind of absurdist way. I think the moment... I mean, isn't that why people liked horror movies, so they can laugh? Sometimes... The face of death, you know? Yeah, I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of horror movies, though, now are like these really safe, mainstream, your parents would go see it, ghost movies. Not that they're not well-made and not that they're not good movies like The Conjuring and Sidious and stuff like that, but it's starting to become like the same thing over and over and over, like this factory of like, let's get these two... Good. I like the Conjuring movies. I like James Wan. I do, but I'm also yeah. like getting tired uh, of that formula. The, the, I think the best horror movies that have come out lately have been kind of offbeat, and the studios want nothing to do with it. Like you and I talked about Stakeland. We love that. Uh, Final Girls, yeah, yeah. Uh, Freaks well, of Nature. Happy Death Day was 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 great. I mean that that's kind of yeah. That, that was fun. Uh, that did was... you see Final Girls, Josh? Did you see the Final Girls? I did not. Is that you should see that. I mean, that's out now. Yeah, I mean, oh, on VOD, you know, all that. The final, stuff. the final girls. Okay. Yeah, that's a that movie's a blast. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's a it's a love letter to uh, old uh, VHS slasher camp movies. But here's the thing: is that it's kind of meta, and it plays with the formula in such an intelligent way. It is literally the only horror movie that I have ever cried at. And I, I'm literally, yeah, I, I yeah, was yeah. watching the first ten minutes before we started recording. It is my regular. Uh, Halloween watch. I sometimes I watch it two or three times a year. It's so damn good. It's oh, in my top. Was this, was this with uh, with that with Alan Ackerman? Maul and Ackerman. Yep. Yeah, Maul and Ackerman. Yeah, where she the mom was the horror yeah, yeah. queen. Okay, yeah, I, I I know what it is. I haven't seen it, but uh, yeah, no, that movie's great. I mean, it's um, it's like Last Action Hero meets Jason Voorhees. It did totally. Oh, right on. One of the best soundtracks right I've ever heard, though. It's it's truly. A lot of work went into this. What it was is, uh, I want to show you, it was Joshua Miller, uh, Jason Patrick's little brother. He wrote it as a way of dealing with his father, uh, Jason Miller, um, being so famous for The Exorcist. And then that was basically it for the rest of his career. It was just like low-level stuff. And I guess he had died young and he was trying to deal with it. So he wrote this script from a girl's perspective of her mother being a famous for one movie called Camp Blood. And dealing with it and then finding a way – God, I don't want to ruin it for you. So I'm not going to tell you the rest, but there's a weird it's meta. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Okay. I'll check I'll check it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, I, I think that – to answer your question though, Michael, I, I think that uh, they, they are kind of getting back to the fun, you know. Uh, Slowly but pop. surely. Every, everything goes full. I tell Josh this all the time. You know, we work on stuff all the time. And everything comes full circle. Like I've even, you know, been paying, you know uh, – you know, I've been doing this for a while now, and it's like, you, you know, you'll go, you'll write a script, and they'll go, yeah, we like it, but serial killers aren't hot now. And then you cut to today, and it's like Halloween, Hell Night, and, right. and you know, and all of a sudden it's like slowly but surely coming back to 1990, you know, eight 
Um, yeah. And, and again, when Scream made slashers hit again, that was a new thing. But, you know, in the early mid 80s, it was all slashers again. So Scream was again the full circle, right? Right. That right. started Valentine and Urban Legend and all these things. Except for the now, nice WB you know, gloss on it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yes, of course, everything comes with its own sheen and time frame, you know, but it all comes full circle. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like, you know, when I was first starting out and everybody was trying to get me to write horror, because I started out writing horror movies. A lot of people don't know that. That was like my way in at the time. It just didn't turn out to be. Now I'm the action guy who has like daylights in kind of as a uh, action horror. It's really an action movie. <laughs> was, that a, um, was daylights in a project green light? Am I wrong? It started that way. Okay. Yeah, it started that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wrote a, I wrote a horror script and I, I, I started winning on horror fests for scripts. So I was, before I was actually doing it for a living, I was the horror guy, <laughs> you know, and then I became the action guy by sort of default. Um, but at the time I was starting is the, the scripts that I was writing were my own kind of horror. And then everybody kept saying, you know, this was back when the ring, the grudge and all that kind of stuff was, was hot. Right. And everybody's like, get us something kind of Asian horror. Theme. And I was like, well, I can't really write an Asian horror film. <laughs> like, you know, I mean. It's one thing to remake The Grudge and The Ring. They're like, yeah, but do that kind of thing. I'm like, uh, could you give us like a killer sushi where you know it becomes part of the sushi? It's eating them from the inside. I'm like, isn't that the stuff? Yeah, we'll just get the rights for the stuff. the stuff. Remake that. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, and, everything, yeah, and, everything we write, you try to have kind of a hook to it, you know. And um, you know, and well, my, my my first script that turned me into quote unquote action guy was not an action script. Really, it was kind of a, like a crime thriller on the pitch. And it was only written out of frustration of writing so many horror films that never got bought or made. <laughs> right, right. You know, and my ghost movies, slash or whatever. You know, I wrote a ton of stuff, and I was just like, you know what? I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to write, you know, my version of Taxi Driver. Right. <laughs> which, which we kind of did. Well, we're just doing that now, right? Too, again. Yeah. yeah. Doing that now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did, there, did everybody did everybody see Mandy with Nicolas Cage? No, I yes. haven't because I live in the I live in a town where they don't. We okay, so we have. I don't understand how I live in the state capital, and we have one big fancy theater where it's like you know all oh, all the, the lounge chairs and you get food delivered to you, and then we have one tiny little small theater where they never get anything like um, low budget independent. It's always like these fancy art films. I'm like, yeah, I'll wait till video. I have a projector. I'm good. I want to. I want to. I, I, want thought to guys, I thought you guys both knew each other from Indiana for some. Well, reason. no, no, no. no, no. We we're know. both from Indiana, I mean, and we didn't even live yeah. that far apart from each other. Not really, but no, I, I didn't. Yeah, I think it was just one of those random, like through somebody else. I end up like, oh, we're mutual friends. Cool. Like. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I thought there was an. Indiana well, I could lie. You know, there was this one time I buried a body with him, and then we never chose. To <laughs> you about bury it. a lot of bodies, dude. I'm telling you, you bury a lot of bodies. You it's, it's, me I, I hate the fact that I use that joke too much. I feel like I'm just getting stale. I'm the carrot top of podcasting. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so I think that's we're pretty much wrapped. <laughs> yeah, we wrapped that's it up here. I, this is the most. This is the first time I've done an episode with two uh, two hold people. On, hold on, what, hold what? on a second. I was I was trying I was trying to cover the leg. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> um, so uh, I love doing this. I can't believe it worked out so well. Um, so check us out on Facebook under Retro Rock Entertainment and uh, check out Howlers when uh, hopefully it comes out in January, February. Anything else you want to plug before we go? 
We're getting there. We're getting close. Some chats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got a lot of stuff that you know. I, I, I hate to, I hate to talk about things, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, um, we'll get there. Yeah, IMDb. Listen, just check out their previous films. IMDb: Josh Ridgway, Chad Law, and uh, you'll have plenty to watch for the whole year. Yes, that's true. For yes, I mean, some of them are good. <laughs> yeah, well, some some of some are good. Some are some are barely watch. Some are some are watchable. You know, but. Uh, yeah, you know, that's movies. Everybody has everybody has that one. Well, what I've discovered is there's a movie out there where somebody really, really hates it, and then on the exact opposite end, someone absolutely loves it. I will stand up for Sky Captain any day, whereas I know most of the population says it's a giant piece of shit. <laughs> I do like Sky Captain, actually. I'm, I'm going to go against you guys here, okay? <laughs> I, I actually like you're done. You're no longer on the show. I quit. <laughs> All right. Um, I like to end every show with the statement, be excellent to each other and have an excellent night. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for having me. is Tony Tran. Oh yeah. And joining us today, the lovely, the wonderful, the purple-haired Miss Tally. Oh, I'm supposed to say something. Hey, hey what's up? And today we are doing a slightly different episode from our our huge here. Uh, this was actually an episode we are doing 100% at the request of our good friend Michael over at Retro Rocket entertainment where we are giving a uh so he asked us for like a top 10 halloween countdown Mm -hmm. and we believe that there's a little bit more that goes into that than just a top 10 halloween countdown type idea here like does it have to be a halloween movie specifically or or do just horror movies count or does it have to be set on Halloween? Like, what what are the rules that yeah. go into this? And based on that, we've we've come up with multiple smaller lists. Yeah, because I mean, like, technically, the the countdown like criterion that Michael had given us was like top ten movies to watch on Halloween. I'm like, I like to watch Christmas movies on Halloween. Do those count? I don't like, I'll watch Die Hard literally <laughs> any day of the year, but yeah. you know, it doesn't really constitute a Halloween movie. Yeah, it's just something that we can watch on Halloween. But so. With that in mind, and kind of with the with the help of uh, Tally, because uh, she was the one that kind of gave us the five and five, we decided to do a, because I'm pedantic. We decided I didn't to do, even come up with a five and five. My my list is like a three and eight. <laughs> good, that's, good enough. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so we split it up between movies that actually have Halloween as the focus, like not just like oh Halloween happens in the film, continue on. It's like no, there's actually like a critical point that was Halloween related. Um, like E.T. happens on Halloween, but I wouldn't call it a Halloween movie. Yeah. You know, you know, where like, you know, Casper, which is on some of our lists, like culminates Halloween night. Yeah. So, you know, like that's kind of a big deal. Or or then you have movies that have some of the same kind of like Halloween themes like witches or goblins or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that, like. 
what actually constitutes a Halloween movie? Does The Witches of Eastwick count as a Halloween movie just because it's witches and warlocks? Or, right. or you know... What, Zombie what's, movies and... Yeah. Escape from Witch Mountain, I mean... Shaun like, of the Dead. And, and then, does it explicitly have to be a horror movie, or does it just have to kind of fit that theme of... Tucker and Dale versus evil. Yeah, you know, like, you know. there's a horror-esque aspect to it. I mean, either classic horror creatures, Dracula, uh, zombies, werewolves, you know, Hotel Transylvania. Demons, <laughs> perhaps. Like, yeah, it, it really comes down to, I guess for me, the, the ultimate question being, is this something that you could put on a playlist if you were doing like a 24-hour playlist on Halloween for someone that had never seen any of these movies and you were going into it with the let's sit down and watch Halloween movies would any of them feel out of place yeah. and and that's that, that's ultimately the deciding factor for what ends up on a list for me or not is like would this feel out of place if you watched it on Halloween yeah, which, like, for me, I was a little more strict, and I like, I was going through my list, and although there was a couple of things, like Adam's Family or, you know, in a Halloween setting would be perfectly fine because, you know, the Adam's Family themselves are very Halloween-y. It doesn't really have anything to do with Halloween, so I had to kind of dump it from my list. I'm like, no, that's just that's too easy of a mark. And I also, to me, Halloween feels a little more comedic and cartoony mm -hmm. than the the traditional like oh it's a night to scare the piss out of everyone you know like yeah, it doesn't it feel doesn't like... feel like a horror type night like maybe some horror themed elements or the occasional scary movie or something like that is is decent to cap off a halloween list i, I just feel like the very horror-esque you know der derivation derivative Derivative, derivatives derivative of where we're at currently with Halloween deviation there was the, the horror-esque deviation of Halloween really kind of like started to bloom in the late 80s early 90s because I swear like before that Halloween was more of just like you know the great pumpkin Charlie Brown and you know like just very whimsical fun it's like hey it's a holiday kids have fun get candy dress up you know, like, it wasn't, like, the zombie and brains and guts until, like, mid-90s to later. I mean, I could be wrong on that entirely. I just I just feel like it wasn't, like, the whole point of it. Listeners, please, go argue with Tony in the comments. Please, yes. We'd want any comments. It's really <laughs> empty and barren. So, I, I think, first and foremost, we have to define Halloween here. Um, so, there there is a... Halloween is, like, the the valentine's day <laughs> of misappropriated holidays <laughs> like you know there's driving the snakes from ireland <laughs> turned into little fucking chalky candy hearts yeah. <laughs> and um professing your undying love to everyone equally in your classroom so that no one feels left out <laughs> you know <laughs> like that that sort of deal like halloween has appropriated like Celtic folklore mm -hmm. elements. It's appropriated like Gaelic and pagan elements. It's cr uh, appropriated like the um, Spanish influenced like Dia de los Muerte, mm -hmm. you know, like all of that sort of stuff into this one kind of amalgamation of selling candy. Like that's that's basically what it is now. Like 
oh, there's ghouls and goblins and scary shit and haunted houses and, you know, that, that kind of cool stuff. But the holiday itself is just a bastard. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so when you're looking at it, do you look at things that encompass all elements of that? Or do you look at, you know, maybe just what it was originally supposed to be, uh, the the pagan celebration of... of uh, what is it Sam Samhain? Yeah, and then Samhain or something like that. Yeah, whatever the however the hell you pronounce that Sam one. The harvest, the harvest is, moon. Basically. Yeah, uh, which literally just signified the end of the harvest season, uh, and and the start of the the fall winter season, and then that tied into the Christian holidays of uh, All Saints Day and All Souls Day uh, with the All Hollow Tide being the three-day observational period starting on October 31st and going until November 2nd. And then, you know, All Hollow Tide turned into All Hollow's Eve since the first day of it wasn't necessarily one of the two holidays. It was just the day leading up to them. And then that turned from All Hollow's Eve to Halloween and... Now we have a completely separate holiday that is not connected to Christianity or Catholicism or Gaelic pagan crossover in any sort of way. It's just a really weird amalgamation to the point to where, like, you know, if I were to say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I was like, yeah, that's kind of a Halloween movie. It's all about candy. (laughs) I mean, if we wanted to get, like, technical on it, we could say that, like, Boondock Saints All Saints Day yeah. technically classifies as a Halloween movie. Oh, man. Because it takes place on All Saints Day, which is part of All Hallows Tide. But <clears throat> we won't. Yeah, we're not going to stretch it that far for a movie not that great. Yeah, we're, we're going to try and uh, maybe mix up a couple of things here you know stretch a little bit where we can maybe into some comedic territory or or movies <laughs> that we simply believe would be enjoyable to watch on the holiday but uh, i don't think our list is actually organized by you know top to worst it's literally just a list Ooh, of yes films. this one it's like yeah. when you're like sitting on your couch going what do i need at the store so, do we want to do this, like, round-robin style? Do this, like, one movie at a time? Yeah, or... I mean, it might. Because I, I know our lists have a lot of crossovers. Exactly, and so, like, wherever crossovers, we can kind of hop on and then just talk about it then, rather than just come back to it and talk about it again. So, who who wants to go first? I like, think... throw uh, out a throw out an entry first. Anybody? Somebody? I will. Anybody. All right. Are we starting with uh, Scary... Movies or Halloween movies? You know, we're just we're gonna wing it. We'll just go. We'll we'll start with the the Halloweeny movies, okay. and then we can go into the <laughs> uh, the actual like horror movies from there. Okay. So my, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, this is awesome. So <clears throat> the first one on my list is Garfield's Halloween Adventure. <laughs> Ooh, I can see that. Go it, on. I can see that. So I, I, that one was, is, like, I was a huge Garfield fan as a kid. Like, number one comic strip. I had a Garfield diary and peaches and, you His know. cynicism has uh, 
much influenced me. Yes, it has become a major part of my life. Yes. I, I have friends that specifically are annoyed that I was, you know, more Garfield than I was Calvin and Hobbes growing up. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm a big Garfield fan. Calvin and Hobbes is cool, but they ain't Garfield. Yeah. Right? I appreciated some Calvin and Hobbes every once in a while, but I used to, like, wake up every Saturday morning to go out mm-hmm. and watch the TV fun house yeah. with the, the grim cartoons on it so that mm-hmm. I could watch the Garfield, the one Garfield segment that mm-hmm. popped up. Yes. That was good times. So, and I saw this, you know, Garfield's Halloween adventure when I was a kid. Like, it came out when I was like two and I got the book when I was a little older and I'm like, oh, this is what I've been looking for. This was a show, you know, and I'm just like all of seven and I like found it on uh, VHS and I was like, I must own this. And I watched that thing constantly to this day. I am 35 years old. I will every time there's like candy and or I want candy. I'm like, I literally just start going candy, 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 candy. <laughs> Because that's what Garfield does. And, like, I dressed as a pirate when I was, like, five. And I was like, woo, I'm dressed just like Garfield was. But then my brother, like, made me a ghost one. And I was like, it's not as cool as Garfield as a pirate. So, I was always, like, when I was younger and I watched Garfield, like, I totally relate way more to Garfield now than mm-hmm. I ever did when I was a kid. No, I hated When Mark, I was a kid, so. I was like, oh, it's all about Odie. Odie's the coolest. Really? And then, well, that, I mean, that was when I was watching, like, the TV Funhouse because no, the punchline okay. was always something that Odie did. Gotcha. It was okay. rarely something that Garfield did. So, you know, when I was watching it, he was all the funny moments, you know. In hindsight, going back and watching them, the only reason he was funny was because of Garfield, and it's the straight man, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, straight man, funny man dynamic that now I appreciate that Odie by himself mm-hmm. would just be an energetic asshole. Whereas when you pair him up with Garfield, therein lies the mm-hmm. humor, you know. Well, but, it's like the Garfield one where they um, they do the talent show. Like, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, they like, uh, it's to win a, I don't know. Some like you know amazing grand prize, lifetime and, supply of lasagna, or yeah, something. something. Like and yeah. you know, um, Odie and Garfield come up with something, and John like muscles his way in, and like you know they they have like a little trio, and they make it to the finals, and uh, Garfield um, sabotages John's gu- guitar because he's like you know you know we're not going to win with this sh- bullshit, you know, you know we have to do our our thing, our tango, yeah. And he gets second place and everything. Spoilers. Um, but For the, anybody watching that 20-year-old yeah. Garfield. <laughs> yeah. But it's really cute. Uh, the person, the cat he loses to, uh, does opera. So it's meow, 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 meow. Like, I can't go that high. So I'm sorry for killing your uh, music-sensitive ears. But... To this day, I can turn to my sister and be like, meow, 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 and she will just start going off. We Like, she hasn't watched it, like, in 25 years. I think I watched it a couple of years ago. It's amazing how that happens. I can still sing to you jingles from TV commercials that were on in 1985. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> like, were, like, a zygote, right? It's like, uh, 
Like, let me see, like, uh, which one we had locally here? Um, oh, George Moreland Plumbing, the Water, water Heater King. King. That commercial stopped airing <laughs> in 1988. Bullshit. I was way older when that one stopped running. Nope. <laughs> I had to look. <laughs> Did they do it on the radio then? Because I swear to God. The I radio like... continued on okay. after that. But on TV, the yeah. the, the one where it actually George like showed it on George Stark Street. Moreland, and like, yeah. The water heater king. Yeah. And then there's also, wake up, wake up. It's a beautiful day. Or Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at the Memorial Coliseum. Yeah. Yes. You'll pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so for me, like, that was the quintessential, like, it was Halloween if I was, like, watching that and eating candy. Like, it was my favorite thing. Like, I think it, like, was a huge part of my love for cartoons, Garfield, and candy, and Halloween. When it comes to, like, Halloween, when I think back of being a, uh, a little kid and Halloween... My Halloween days almost always started with getting up in the morning, sitting down with a bowl of cereal in my underwear, and watching Ghostbusters, mm. like the, the animated series. Yeah, oh, that's some good stuff. That was like that set up Halloween for me. You know, when you know? Ghostbusters started up, and they were doing that Bee Gees walk. Uh huh. Now, see, for me, uh, Halloween always started with that tape, the the Garfield's Halloween Adventure. All right, so Tony, what's your your first list entry. Do we have any crossover here with some Garfield? Um, Garfield no. did not make my list. It was not a huge part of my youth, sadly. Um, but what did get on my list, and this was the top of my list, which doesn't really matter, was Ernest Scared Stupid. Ah, uh, yes. Jim Voorhees. Mm, Jim Varney? Jim Four. Varney? Yeah, what, 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 what the hell was his name? No, yeah. Voorhees was... Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's just Jason. Wow. Man. That's for me yeah. reading way too much about Halloween. <laughs> but yeah, Varney's. Varney's? Varney's. Varney. Jim Varney. Yeah. Right? Var- Varney? Yeah, Jim Varney. Yeah. Interesting Interesting fact, um, he was a really heavy Jason chain smoker, Voorhees. but would never smoke in front of kids because he didn't want to disillusion them from his character that he had on his movies. Hmm. But, uh, so... Coincidentally, he died of lung cancer. Oh, yeah, no one was surprised about that. Yeah. But, um, so, like... Honorable mention with uh, Ernest Goes to Jail, because I feel like that's kind of Halloween-y, although it's also kind of superhero-y, which is a long story on its own. Um, he gains electric powers because he gets electrified in the chair. Anywho, uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh, I, whenever I think of Halloween, I think of this film, and I think of this film specifically because this is one of the earliest instances where uh, they made a horror film that broke the number one horror film rule, which is never harm a child. <laughs> At the time, that wasn't a regular thing. Like, children weren't harmed. They were either, like, you know, already children of the corn or what have you. Like, regular kids did not get hurt in these films. Side note, this says he smoked up to a carton of cigarettes a day. How do you burn through them that fast? That That is, like, ten packs of cigarettes a day. Two hundred cigarettes Like, I used to day. smoke. Like I have to, I, I have to figure out the math on yeah. it. Yeah, because like, like, how fast do you have to like suck one down? That is, let's see, that is one cigarette every seven point two minutes of a twenty-four hour day. But you're yeah. not awake for a twenty-four hour period. And uh, he never, I, I he don't never know. smoked in front of kids. Says, Dear God, says up to a carton a day. Like, the fact no that wonder he lived that to guy, 50 yeah. was like, 
Holy shit. Well, dude. and to be as energetic as he was and, you know, actionable in his earnest movies. Without like, literally coughing a lung up. He did all of his own stunts and all of that sort of stuff. Like, <laughs> apparently it was during the filming of Treehouse Hostage in 1998 he started developing a bleeding cough. Mm. And that's where he found out he had lung cancer. But, which is. Super interesting because on top of that, after going from a, a up to a carton a day, soon as he found out he was diagnosed with lung cancer, he threw away his cigarettes and quit smoking cold turkey. Huh. How you go from a carton a day to quitting cold turkey, like that is, uh, I suppose you'd have to get diagnosed with cancer yeah, to, yeah. to have that one really sink in for you. <laughs> but yeah. Ernest Scared Stupid. I mean, like, it was scary as a kid, but I watched anyways because I love... I still remember that electric chair scene where... Yeah, well, like... that, that was uh, Ernest Goes to Jail, yeah. yeah. Like, it, the movie... Like, and that one, the movie starts off with, like, he has the capacity to retain electricity, and you, you find that out because he keeps shocking himself with the vacuum where he works at, but then he gets electrified, gets superpowers. Oh, they, they came out back to back. There was only five months in between them. Yeah, like, like they were really close to each other, but Ernest Scared Stupid was specifically a Halloween movie. And, like, whenever I think of that movie, I always think of the scene where he's fighting the troll, ogre, thingy, whatever, and he has that bottle of Miak. Yes. And just goes on about, like, ah, oh, you didn't think I was gonna find Miak at this time of year. Miak. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I really appreciate the Ernest movies based on the fact that they honestly were an adult delivering adult humor that was still targeted at kids. Mm -hmm. Like it, it seemed like Jim Varney was one of the first real comedian slash actors that went out to make movies like this and explicitly went, look, if I don't appeal to the adults too, there's no way that this is going to sell to the kids. Cause I'm not going to convince the adults to come out and take their kid to see this movie, mm -hmm. you know? But if I'm funny to the adults, too, like you go back and rewatch those and there is so much mm -hmm. adult humor in those movies oh, yeah. that just completely flew over my head when I was a kid. You see it in um, other things, too, like the, the movies that Jim Varney was in, but it wasn't an earnest movie like um, uh, Beverly Hillbillies, yeah, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff. Man, those were just good movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess first entry on my list... I'm going to throw this out. This is an actual occurs on Halloween, but again, is a comedy. I'm going to throw out Idle Hands. Oh, man. So you've got... Uh, such a dumb fucking movie. <laughs> it was a... It was a stoner movie. A very movie. dumb movie. It was, so uh, I was a bit of a stoner. No! I was a teenager. I uh, Never. I would have never have guessed. I smoked a marijuana's or two in my day. Um, but it, it was kind of that pivotal, like, amalgamation of all of the popular teen actors that were around at the time. You had the Dreamboat and Devin Sawa, and then you had the, oh, the really funny one with Seth Green, and, you know, like, combine okay. all of that yeah. together, and then it was the, the Girl Next Door story on top of that, but then... The slapstick humor while also retaining some of that Halloween feel. Like, it was one of those movies that just, it always was on TV mm -hmm. when yeah. 
when Halloween rolled around, you know, I don't usually on Fox, but you know, I, was like, I remember being like, Oh God, no, not this movie. Turn this off. It was uh, Idle Hands and My Boyfriend's Back, which I still yeah. love the film. <laughs> not a Halloween film, but I love that film. Let's see. My Boyfriend's Back? I yeah. remember that vaguely. Yeah. Lazy, lazy stoner teenager Anton Tobias' parents wind up dead on Halloween with all clues pointing to him. Which, by the way, nobody ever like makes any mention whatsoever the fact that this now 16 year old kid both of his parents are dead and afterwards it's just like everything's a-okay <laughs> yeah nobody mentions that side note jessica alba who co-stars in the movie as the girl next door dreamboat that he is uh pursuing through the entire movie um went on to quit acting after doing two or three movies uh, used all of the money that she made from those two or three money, uh, movies as seed money to start Alba Botanical, which is now a pharmaceutical and cosmetics company that uh, nets about a billion a year. Oh, oh shit. So, wow. A little bit of trivia for you there. So I, I thought it was a a pretty solid comedic movie that still had the the zombie Halloween kind of elements to it. Um, I'm eating kettle corn. Homemade kettle corn. Mm-hmm. I made it. It was delicious. That's why I put the bowl on my lap. I could actually pause for just a moment here and tell everyone how to make it. Go ahead and make two bags of popcorn, your favorite type of popcorn. Go for 3.28 ounce bags. It's hard to find, but Orville Redenbacher will get you there (laughs) now in a pan combine one cup of butter and one cup of brown sugar stir that until it starts lightly boiling set a five minute timer at the four minute mark pour in two teaspoons of vanilla then a minute later at the five minute mark pour in one quarter teaspoon of baking soda stir that shit up while it foams and then pour it all over your popcorn and stir that up throw in a half a cup of peanuts if you Want to feel a little squirrely, stir that up, and then enjoy. Okay, so getting back. Um, I had to explain the crunching. I'm sorry. I could not eat this quietly. <laughs> it is, it's just delicious. Just plain and simple. I, I swear to God, if our podcast becomes Cooking with Steven in the next three months, hey, do you, you know, have any more recipes? <laughs> it could possibly happen. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, right. Like... I was going to open a podcast at one point in time that was just cooking for stoners that was going to tell you how to make, like, the best peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but actually, like, make the peanut butter and the jelly from scratch, cook mm-hmm. the bread from scratch, and then there you go. Basically, go through the absolute most amount of work that you could possibly go through <laughs> to make the easiest, simplest foods. <laughs> just because I thought that shit would be hilarious. But... Alas, I talk about movies instead. <laughs> so, uh, you know, combination. Uh, you get the the Halloween entertainment value, comedic, a uh, little bit of that jumpy zombie kind of scary action from particularly The Hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of rounds it out. Yeah, subtle one. Tally. Next. Next to you. Uh, close my list, sorry. Oh, coincidentally, Robert England, who plays Freddy Krueger, oh, yeah, was right. the was voice the... of the hand in uh, Idle Hands. 
I'll just go down my list. Uh, the next one is Hocus Pocus. Mm, Hocus Pocus, I think, is on all of our yeah, lists. Yeah, definitely yeah. my list. I mean, it's kind of like one of the most known, blatantly obvious, specifically mm-hmm. Halloween film. Um, why is it on your must-watch list? Because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. No, uh, it's... Uh, so, when it came out, it was 1993, and I was actually in uh, foster care, and... The family we were with refused to let us see it because of the uh, evilness. They were very Christian. They were very nice, but I remember being like, are you fucking kidding me? Pagans and demons and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. (laughs) So that was kind of like my bright spot of like, you know, going back home with my abusive mother was, ooh, I can watch Hocus Pocus now. And I was not disappointed. I'm very glad about that. But um, I just, like, it was, it was everything about, like, the way it looked. Like, it wasn't, like, it was for kids, but it's, like, the backgrounds and stuff were not, like, ooh, kids aren't going to notice that this is really shitty, you know? And then, like, they had, like, the false, like, oh, everything's okay, you know, it was Disney scary, right? And uh, I mean, not like Black Cauldron Disney scary because well. that shit is legitimately scary. <laughs> but like Disney, as in, I mean, yes, it is. A I Disney need to watch movie. Black Cauldron because I don't remember that being scary. Oh man, the Great Horned King. Whew. That shit will scare some little kids. <laughs> I was apparently weirdly not creeped out by like what normal kids are creeped out by, and then I was running in terror from the Wheelers. Uh, but, um, you know, the fact that... Is that the Wheelers is in the Return to Oz? Yes, mm-hmm. they fucking yeah. terrified me. Um, Great movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah. very underrated. Actually, that could probably get thrown onto my list of uh, <laughs> Halloween movies. Just was, because of, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, is uh, it Jack the Pumpkin King? Yeah. Yeah, just because of that. Could probably throw it on a Halloween list and get away with it. <laughs> Yes, boys and girls, there was a Jack the Pumpkin King before Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. I think it was like Pumpkin Jack or something like that. I don't or know. Jack Pumpkinhead, I believe was Jack his name. Pumpkinhead. But he was he he was the king of Oz. Yeah. Anyway, uh yeah, that was one of my most terrifying movies as a kid. Uh but Hocus Pocus was just like it was funny, it was smart, you know, it had a lot of great, you know, just feel to it i loved billy you know the fact that he was like screw you i'm not doing your bidding mm-hmm. come on kids let me help you you know i you know it was i had a talking cat for god's sake <laughs> you know i just i don't know what it was i and also my middle name's winifred so it was like i always got called winnie the witch when people found that out but like here was an actual cool one that wasn't a complete idiot you know Plus, like the song that Sarah sings yes. to get the kids. This is it. I appreciate this movie because it's one of the few things that I have seen Sarah Jessica Parker in that doesn't annoy the shit out of me. Like, I think Sarah Jessica Parker is probably one of the worst actresses in active television and and film production. Like, just. But Sarah was, like, the perfect role for her. Nailed it. Like, her then, standing there going, 
reach, 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 grab. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah. there's no fucking way that 200 years later, your rat tail would still be on top of that beam. Yeah. But everything about that scene was just like, oh, I wonder if it's still there. Is it there? Is it there? Yes, it's there. Nom, nom, nom. Like, like that and, sort but, of stuff, just it fits so perfectly yeah. that when you see an actor or an actress that you really generally just dislike mm-hmm. nail a role, mm-hmm. it makes you appreciate the entire movie for that. Yeah. Like, when I see, you know, I don't, there's a couple of, of actors and actresses I don't like. Like, mm-hmm. just, they rub me the wrong way Oh, somehow. yeah, I'm like that with like, Meg Ryan. Yeah, and to see them in a movie where they just outright nail it. Without it being like, oh, you're just playing yourself. Yeah, like, that's that's where you're like, oh, man, that is a good fucking movie just because of that. And yeah. then you add wow, on all the extra Wow, their director was amazing. Yeah, you add on all the extra stuff, mm-hmm. and it just ends up being an an all in all enjoyable mm-hmm. movie with Hocus Pocus. Like it, it's one of those it ages well too. Like even mm-hmm. though there's references to the early nineties mm-hmm. and the eighties and stuff like that in it. Like that you know, references to, oh, I've got to go home to make a phone call. You know, mm-hmm. like that sort of stuff. Like it still aged incredibly well. Like it doesn't feel like you're watching a movie that, you know, is two decades old. Like right. It, it feels more like, like how Stranger Things is. It's like, yeah. it's a movie now that takes place. Yeah. Yeah. Because they need that, like, technology, you know, stunt to, like, make, you know, otherwise it would be like, why don't you just use your cell phone, you know? So why is yeah. Hocus Pocus on your list, Tony? Honestly, like, I like the feel of the film. I like the budget of the film. I like the musical aspect of it, you know, I mean, it was... It made me adore Bette Midler. I, I mean, say. it just had a How whole lot... How could you not love Bette Midler? <laughs> it had a whole lot going for it. It all took place within 24 hours, you know, and, like, as a kid, it was just super enjoyable. Even as an adult, rewatching it again, I'm like, oh, this is actually... It, it holds pretty well. I do phenomenally appreciate... We actually looked at Hocus Pocus last year on Halloween. Yeah. It's one of the... we. One of the two movies we did for Halloween, uh, Hocus Pocus and Halloween Town. So you can mm-hmm. go back and find that episode if you want to hear more in-depth discussion of this. But I do appreciate, like you said, that it all takes place on one day. Very few movies do that and make you feel like it's actually happening at a steady pace mm-hmm. that... It doesn't know, jump feels, around. Yeah, and... that feels controlled. Like, you're going from point A to point B. There's no jumping around to C and mm-hmm. F and Z somewhere in there. It's just A to B, here's the story. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I think, something that kids' movies do a lot better than adult movies. Yeah, because they don't have to make it too far in-depth. They can make it single-minded and have a singular direction and not need to put an extensive amount of depth in order for, you know, refined adult taste, quote-unquote. Yeah. So I'm going to throw out another movie here I think is on all three of our lists. Um, I don't know if it technically counts as a Halloween movie or if it counts as a horror movie because I believe there's both in there, but I'm going to throw out The Frighteners. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I put that on as one of my scary movies. Yeah, same. Yeah, that was the first movie that I watched that made me appreciate the shit out of Jake Busey's ability to play a crazy fuck. A, a crazy person. Yeah. And 
reinforced my opinion that Michael J. Fox is a solid, unintentionally comedic actor. Mm -hmm. And I, I say that unintentional comedy, not in the sense of, like, he's not trying to be funny, but it is funny. Yeah. I'm saying it in the sense of, like, what he's doing is not funny, but he's able to do it in a comedic way to deliver that and elevate the scenario that he's in with some sort of comedic energy that otherwise wouldn't be there if perhaps another actor was in it. I just feel like there isn't an actor to date that has the same deer in a headlight feel that Michael J. Fox has. That's true. You know, like whenever like there's a Michael J. J. Fox film, there's almost always a scene where he stops stares forward and you know either a light or a thing or an object's coming straight at him and he's like oh dear god yeah yeah well yeah. and uh uh watching watching him with like his movements and stuff uh and then like throughout his life and then knowing that he got parkinson's is like you can see how he like uses like his already like fluid movements to hide his shaking like when he was in um god what was it city no, that show he was on. Spin he, City. Yeah, Spin City. He would like skate, uh, rollerblade around. Yeah. And they did that to help hide his shaking, uh, to like keep him in movement. When he was in movement, he could like hide it. But when he had to hold still, that's when you like wait a minute. He, you know. Yeah, I I shake horribly bad all the time because of a pinched nerve in my back. Mm. So like. I've actually had people question me before and be like, do you have MS or Parkinson's or something like It's like, no, it's just a pinched nerve. But they're like, oh, have you ever seen Michael J. Fox movies from the <laughs> 90s? Because he shakes the same way. And it's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I did not yeah, know he that. he has Parkinson's. Yeah, yeah I'm aware. <laughs> Everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I found that interesting, like, re-watching The Frighteners. Because I watched The Frighteners... Uh, when it was still like a new release, which boggles my fucking mind. And, um, you know, like, there's some points where I'm like, holy shit, was he already like developing Parkinson's at this point? Because there's some points where he just, the way he moves is very like, don't look at what I'm actually doing with my hands. <laughs> so, but I loved that movie. That I don't know. I can't describe how much I love that movie because it has so much of what I like. It's got, like, flashbacks. It's got an old creepy house. It's got ghosts. It's got mystery. Arlie Ermey. Yeah. Who? Arlie Ermey, the drill sergeant. Oh, yeah, him. And if you're curious and you want more in-depth discussion <laughs> on this movie, we also have podcasted on this one before. It's episode 75, Teen Wolf and the Frighteners, which is our Michael J. Fox power hour. Mm, yes, Teen Wolf. So uh, why don't you throw out another movie that's on the, all right, so on the list here? I think this is another one that probably all of us has because the actual films that actually take place on Halloween is a very short list. Um, Casper. Oh, yes. yeah. Casper film with Christina Ricci. Also, Devin Sawa. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Casper turns into Devin Sawa at the end of the movie. Yep. Yeah. The teenage heartthrob. Ghost from Ghost to Dreamboat. Mm -hmm. But uh, great music, great imagery, great storyline. I mean, like there mm -hmm. just there was a whole lot going for this film that was kind of kind of like 
a, a little a little more than what a kid could really understand, and something that they could they could watch again and again, and as they grow up, enjoy it more and mm-hmm. more. Had oh. Eric Idle in it. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the dad. Oh yeah. Fuck. What's his name? Independence Day. Um, Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Yeah. Mm. Love me some Bill Pullman. I actually have no clue where that just came out. I was not paying attention at all right there. My <laughs> mouth just went on autopilot to say that. But, yeah, just... Casper Side just... note, if you ever want to watch the perfect example of absolutely no chemistry between an actor and an actress in a movie, watch uh, Mr. Wrong with Bill Pullman and Ellen. El- I was about to say, <laughs> you're like the chemistry. I'm like the one with Ellen, right? Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, well, that's awesome. But, uh, oh, it is such a horrible movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Casper just had so much going for it, a really good budget. Dan Aykroyd appeared in it, which is, you know, as a Ghostbuster, which was awesome. Yes. The guy, like the, the priest dude from the beginning, wasn't he, like, God, like the Monsieur, like, stoned out looking, you know, gets um, his head put on backwards? He was from, like... Was he from like the Exorcist or the Yeah, Exorcist, I think. Or like I think I think it was a known character. I don't think because mm-hmm. I think that was their bit was they were with known yeah ghost busting people. Yeah, I'm trying to look up to see who it was. Don Novello. Mm-hmm. Um, and what can you tell see. us about this Don Novello? Well. Don Novello is an American writer, film director, producer, actor, singer, and comedian. He's best known for his work on NBC's Saturday Night Live from 1979 to 1980, and again from 1985 to 1986, often as the character Father Guido Sarducci. That he dude. appeared as Sarducci in many subsequent television cl- shows, including Married with Children, Blossom, It's Gary Shandling's Show, Unhappily Ever After, Square Pegs, and The Colbert Report, as well as cameos in movies such as... <clears throat> Casper. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Casper 2. <laughs> he appeared again in another Casper? Yeah. Man. Was uh, that Casper makes No, no, no. That was... God, which Casper is that? Casper uh, 2. Electric Boogaloo. Spirited Beginning. Oh. So that's the third one? Uh. No. No, it's the second one, the third Casper, one. Was Casper, then Wendy. Casper Spirited Beginning, then Casper Meets Wendy, then that one that they did in the early 2000s, yeah. which uh-huh. nobody remembers. <laughs> All right, so next film, Steve. <laughs> well, no, I'm not done talking about Casper. Okay, go on. Uh, oh. oh, by all means, then. For me, at least, with Casper, it I've always had a fascination with ghosts and how they uh, got that way. Like, that's one thing that always annoyed me about a lot of movies that were like, ooh, we're going to have a ghost. It was like, okay, great. How did they get that way? And people are like, I don't know. Something ghosty. You know? And well, so, clearly they died and chose to haunt us. Right. And it's like, no. Like, the, you're saying this is a person that's trapped here. Why? You know? And Casper is like actually one of the shows that um... uh... Actually had a character that would turn into a ghost because of unresolved. Well, yeah, like he actually like it wasn't a murder. It wasn't, you know, it was something that happened a lot. 
He played outside too long. His immune system was suppressed. He got sick and he died. Yeah. yeah. There was like a full on backstory to explain what happened, you know, which was nice rather than just like, you know, because like the only other time that we have that backstory on ghosts is in horror films when they're trying to figure out why the ghost is killing people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, finally, a ghost that's just a kid that didn't know he should have let go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, you know, again, as a kid's movie, pretty straightforward timeline. And the fact that it's able to explain that stuff while staying on a straightforward timeline, you know, give us the backstory, the reasons why, uh, the fact that it introduces some weird ass technology. Like the, mm-hmm. the ghost capture Lazarus thing. Yeah. And still moderately explains that, too, in a level that's like... Okay, that makes sense. You can suspend disbelief enough to accept it, but it works for a kid's movie, too. Like, mm-hmm. it's not so complex that kids can't understand it, but it's just complex enough that adults are like, okay, I'll fucking buy it for the Mm -hmm. sake of this. Mm -hmm. You know, like, doing that sort of stuff is what actually makes a a decent family movie over Mm -hmm. just a kid's movie. Well, and I also enjoyed, like, the the jokes about death and, like, when um, the, the cool dude that has the bitchy girlfriend... You know, is on her porch asking her out as a trick. Yeah. And Casper's like, you know, mimicking him and then pretends to hang himself. I still do that to this day. <laughs> like, if, you know, if I'm like mouthing to someone or something, I'll just like, Bleh. they almost give me weird looks. I wonder why. We're still on movies that occur on Halloween, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. the karate kid. <laughs> the karate kid appears on Halloween or takes place on Halloween. Yeah. It takes place around Halloween. I don't know if it takes, it takes place, place on Halloween. Well, the pivotal instance between the Cobra Kai and uh Daniel the was the Daniel Russo. Halloween night. That was the Halloween night. That was oh. when they were wearing the uh the skeleton costumes. Oh, that's right. The pivotal scene they were fighting each other. So not the actual tournament itself. I don't know if that one counts as an honorable mention or if it's just, you know, something that I'll throw on the list. I think I think it's as Halloween as E.T., so I mean, I, I think it fits on the honorable mention, but I don't know if it's really a Halloween movie. That's fair. That's, mm-hmm. I, I could go with that. That's fair. Yeah. Um, in which case, and... Did you just take, make a witch pun? <laughs> I, I was literally about to say a no pun intended. <laughs> um, You're going to find a film where wolves beer? Well, <laughs> so I was going to throw out Monster Squad. Oh. What? Monster Squad. Oh, it's an amazing movie. It has the greatest exchange in the history of dialogue exchanges between two kids in a movie. Um, where it I'm goes, terrified all of a sudden. It's the Wolfman. Kick him in the nards. Wolfman doesn't have nards. Kick him anyway. <laughs> I vaguely remember Wolf that. Wolfman has nards. <laughs> One of the greatest exchanges ever. Um, it's just it's it's super cheesy. Uh, you don't say. Like, I swear that this movie was designed to be like forgotten a year after it comes out. Um, one of the things that I really do enjoy about this, though, is that it's a movie written by an absolutely phenomenal writer 
with a really good script that just had no budget. Uh, So it's written by Shane Black. Shane Black being the same guy that wrote uh, Predators and Iron Man 3. And like, here, let me pull up his list of of credits here so you can appreciate this. Uh, Doc Savage, The Predator, Lethal Weapon TV series. Uh, He wrote The Nice Guys. Edge, Lego Marvel Super Heroes uh, video game. He wrote most of the scripting for Iron Man 3, AWOL, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Lethal Weapon 4, The Long Kiss Goodnight, Last Action Hero, Lethal Weapon 3, The Last Boy Scout, Lethal Weapon 2, The Monster Squad, and Lethal Weapon. Uh, Pretty much all the action films I grew up watching. Right? Phenomenal writer. Like, when you think of an action film or just, I mean, any of those films in general, with the exception of, I think, Iron Man 3, are phenomenally hashed out character stories. Every single one of them. So he lost a bet, is what you're saying. But then you've got the Monster Squad, which is oh my I god! I was young. So I needed the money. Like, let me. Okay, I uh, I'll read the plot synopsis here. Dracula is alive. In fact, he plans to rule the world, and that's why he seeks the help of the other legendary monsters. However, a bunch of kids, regarded by their peers as losers, uncover the devious plan and prepare for a counter-strike. We'll let that sink in. That is the most 80s script. The tagline from the movie poster was, You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? <laughs> oh my god, that is so eighties. Super eighties. Like Ghostbusters is doing good. Let's let's hop on that train. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just it's one of those uh so bad it's good. I I actually of... kind of feel the need to watch this. Yeah, me too. Oh, it's it's amazing. So amazing. In all the wrong ways. Is it live action or animated? It is live action. Oh, man. I thought this was going to be an animated one. No. No, and it is. Oh, it's so good. So good, it's so bad. Oh. But, yeah. That's that's on my list as far as um, uh, my guilty pleasure Halloween movies go. So, uh, Tony, next on the list. All right, so it's going to be hard to follow up Monster Squad, but... No, uh, I won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Crow. The Crow made it next on my list. That's one where, you know, like, I never really thought about it as a Halloween movie. I always thought of it as kind of like a superhero slash vengeance movie. But, like, looking it up... It was based t- on a comic book, right? Yeah, it was based off a Dark Horse comic book. But, like, looking <laughs> up the actual timeline that it occurs in, it was like, oh, yeah, no, it... He, you know, he dies on the what you call it, the, the day before Halloween or some, something's night. He like. dies on on Halloween, uh, Devil's Night. On. Yeah, on Devil's Night, and then comes back. They don't call it Halloween; they call it Devil's, Devil's Night. night. Yeah. And then he comes back on um, Souls uh, Day. All Souls Day. Yeah. yeah. And then you know, pretty much goes and tears through. I mean, but it's it's, it's a Halloween movie. Like, there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like. Realizing that and kind of like just the imagery and the scenes and the the vibe and the feel and you know like what have you like I just I feel like it's a really good you know go to like Halloween film I mean it just it it suits and it's also non traditional if you want to get away from the you know the traditional like 
themes of like monsters and you know mm-hmm. creature features like this is actually just a or person. slasher yeah yeah i really it, liked the crow when i saw it as a kid i i liked it the first couple of times that i saw it but i had uh many many friends that were obsessed with it mm. yeah that can watched kill it. it over and over and over and now it's on my list of movies that you will slice someone if they make you watch it. I will cut a bitch. <laughs> Did you ever like, watch the TV series? Yes. The TV series was actually really good. The TV series wasn't bad, that, and uh, the only reason that I was even moderately interested in seeing the, uh, was it the Jason Momoa remake of The Crow that was supposed to come out, uh-huh. was because one of the primary writers for it was the lead writer from the TV series. Nice. Hmm. Um, so... I, I would assume that the crow is on your list nope. too, Telly. No, no. Oh, well, then uh, why my don't next you hit us with another? <laughs> is Monster House? Monster Ooh, House, the Monster Eddie Murphy. House. No, no. That Monster House. No, 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 no. no, no. The the animated one from two thousand six. Oh, there was an Eddie Murphy Monster House. Yes, you have just peaked. You're to, kidding. So You're while kidding you look me. that up, I will explain Monster House. So Monster House, the one I'm talking about. Is your three basic... teens discover that their neighbor's house is really a living, breathing, scary monster? Do you like how my voice changed just then? <laughs> I just I read that and I felt that it had to be Mr. Movie phoned. All right, Telly, go on to us. Uh, yeah, so this one dweeby kid lives across the street from your typical rundown house with a you know skinny old man that's like get off my lawn and stealing toys and shit but the you know the things sink into the lawn and uh you know grab onto you and all of this stuff and then uh while trying to prove something or grab oh like get his friend's ball back he uh the main character um thinks he's caused the old neighbor to have a heart attack and die. So he's like, I'm a fucking murderer. But then he notices that, like, the house, like, is moving, or it calls him, that's what it was, it calls him in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he and his friend notice, like, or they, like, go to the lawn and almost, like, the house, like, turns into a creature and, like, tries to eat them and um, and I mean, it's 2006 animation. It's kind of weird and uncanny valley. It's the movement of of all the characters is really lifelike and great, but it's like they're wearing these really big bulbous heads. Yeah, outside of Pixar, a lot of the animation from that <laughs> period was a little iffy. Yeah. We watched it last night. Their hair did not move. No. Side note, the Eddie Murphy movie is actually Haunted Mansion, but the uh, promo line that they used for it was, it's a monster of a house. I actually thought Haunted Mansion was all right. Not great. All right. Not not good, in my opinion. I mean, not not bad, but not, like, worth really talking about. I don't feel Mm -hmm. bad watching it. I'm not going to tell anybody else to watch it. Yeah. It's like Flubber, you know? give it a shot once but after that you know you're like the most you can hope to get out of a movie like that is being able to say 
Yeah, I saw Flubber. That's oh, yeah, it. I've seen that. So what do you... Uh, like no, no. Oh, go ahead. Uh, so with Monster House, why I picked it was it is such a classic 80s... I mean, it was done in 2006, but it was just such the perfect classic kids, like, you know, puberty movie, you know, the kid's voice cracks when he's trying to explain to his parents as to why, you know, his next door neighbor is evil or whatever and he's his best friend is a complete moron you know it just like everything about it was just like it it felt like a lot like you know how stranger things feels for a lot of people nowadays so um but it was also like a, actually a fairly again with the explaining what the fuck happened it wasn't just a monster you know like it actually explains like what happened and you know all i think that. that's one of the key elements that makes a writer of something good for you know good mm-hmm. writer versus bad writer is if they can seamlessly fill in those details without feeling like they're forced on you mm-hmm. fun fact this movie was written by dan Harmon, who is the creator of rick and morty mm-hmm. i noticed mm-hmm. that what that i kind of just thought of right now and it's kind of surprising that i didn't give it earlier the three main characters of Monster House, which was the the two kids, DJ uh, Chowder and, and the girl, the girl that kind of accidentally pops in, are oddly very familiar. And I think that Monster House was pretty much the baseline used for the TV series Troll. I can no. see that. Troll? You mean Troll Hunter? Troll Hunter, yes, Troll Hunter with the uh, Jim, his goofy buddy, and uh, this guy, this Chowder was way worse than. Jim's best friend. Chowder was really bad. Chowder. So fucking I've seen, Oh, God. I remember, like... Bits and pieces? Yeah. I remember a large amount of this movie, but... Yeah, like, I remember the main parts of it, but there were some small things that I kind of flat out forgot about. So when I was watching it again, I'm like, oh, okay. I, like, I, I knew how it was going to end. I knew, you know, the, the story with the old man... I forgot the story about, you know, the house and how it became the way it was, but as a whole, I remember most of it. Although I didn't know that it got turned into a video game, which I imagine was going to be a really weird game to play. Yeah. I bet it was one of those terrible, shitty games that could have been amazing. Yeah. But yeah, so, so Monster House is, you know, I mean, it wasn't scary by any means, but, you know, I thought it was a good, you know, it had that flavor of a lot of, like, the slasher movies of the 80s without actually being like a slasher movie nobody died yeah you know so do we have another uh shared movie here something that we all have on our list the last one new mine's different from his yeah like, oh really mm-hmm. like our whole our horror movies are going to start syncing up again but uh, i think the right, last then, one uh, then hit us with one tony um okay well uh let's say oh um tucker and dale vs evil on my list yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite horror films because it's a comedy horror and it's only horror as a technicality because all the horror tropes are on there yeah but not in the way you expect them to be it's um horror by happenstance i think mm-hmm. is the uh the best way that i can describe that and i mean I, again we've done an episode on tucker and dale vs evil so if you want to backtrack and find it you can ex- you know see all the reasons why we love this film because uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, I asked Tony this, but when I was looking stuff up, I came across a movie called Murder Party. 
Have you watched that? Murder Party? I don't uh, know. I, I have not, but it looks super interesting, and I'm kind of curious, and I kind of want to watch it because it seems like something that would be up our alley of entertaining. Would that be the 2007 Murder Party or the 2018 Murder Party? It's probably 2007. I don't know. I don't. Uh, which one has the guy wearing a, a cardboard knife? That is the 2007. Okay, that's the one I was looking at. Read me the description. I'm kind of curious. A random invitation to a Halloween party leads a man into the hands of a rogue collective intent on murdering him for the sake of their art, sparking a bloodbath of mishap, mayhem, and hilarity. That totally sounds like a thing we'd watch. Mm -hmm. Storyline here. um, On Halloween Eve in Brooklyn, an, an average Joe loser named Chris finds an invitation to a costume party. Arriving at the party, Chris discovers he's fallen prey to the lethal trap set by the deranged artists. As the night wears on, rivalries within the group flare up, a body count accrues, and Chris must take advantage of the ensuing chaos if he's to survive the night. Sounds like it might be interesting. <laughs> It could be totally the worst thing ever, or it could be amazing. Now, if it was like a giant murder melee to the music of Scooby-Doo, I think it would be amazing. <sighs> okay, so, are you guys done talking about your last, or... Tucker and Dale vs. Evil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... We have an entire podcast on it where we yeah. talked about it for an hour and a half, so I'm just not going to throw out details about why it's great, other than to say it's, it's fucking amazing. Watch it. So, uh, my last Halloween movie is Flatliners. It's also on my list. Really? Yes. Nice. Uh, I haven't seen it in years, uh, but that was one of the movies that I watched I'm talking about the original, not the remake. Oh, God, no. I'm talking about the one that was like the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I I watched that one accidentally because as you guys know, I don't do like horror and scary usually. Like, my best friend, my sister, literally held me down to make me watch Scream. It was actually 1990. Okay, well, I was seven, so... Directed by Joel Schumacher, <clears throat> who went on to fail at Batman <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. So uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts, Kevin Bacon, William Baldwin, Oliver Platt. Just phenomenal <laughs> cast. <clears throat> phenomenal. So, yeah, and I just remember it being fascinating and weird and awesome and... You know, like it's you definitely could, a unique. I liked it because they could like, survive. Yeah. You know, it wasn't all about like, oh, they did this thing and now they're gonna die because you know they touched the stone or you know whatever. Yeah. Like I, I really liked the fact that it was like, no, you know, you can accept your fate, but and then end up coming out the other side, and and it's also. A good look outside of the the horror Mm -hmm. aspect of it. It's also a good look at how far are scientists or researchers Mm -hmm. willing to push themselves and push the limits Mm -hmm. to complete their research. Like, just that aspect of it is entertaining. But then you throw on the the sci-fi psychological aspects and, you know, all Mm -hmm. of that stuff and the thriller aspects. And it's just a good movie. Not to mention Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts, Kiefer Sutherland, mm-hmm. Oliver Platt. Amazing cast. Yeah. So real fast, my fifth Halloween movie was Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow is also on my list. Oh, nice. Yes. And uh, I appreciate Sleepy Hollow. 
which is the Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, uh, <clears throat> Christina Ricci, Christina Ricci, and uh, Christopher Walken. Um, I appreciate the shit out of it because it actually follows the original Sleepy Hollow story. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yes. Um, hmm. It is more accurate to the original Sleepy Hollow than the Disney. Well, the Disney one was coupled up with uh... Adventures of Ichabod Crane, and then the. Uh, the Wind of the Willows thing. Yeah. The Mr. Toad bullshit, which I loved as a kid because I loved the Wind in the Willows. They did that because they had to cut so much out of the Sleepy Hollow, which is well, why it was they ended up calling it The Adventures of Ichabod and Crane. <laughs> you know, like, usually when you see a Sleepy Hollow thing, what you end up getting from it is, oh, there's a headless horseman and this and that. Mm-hmm. The guy was never called the headless horseman. In the, in the book, he was always referred to as the Hessian. He was described once as a headless horseman, mm-hmm. but that was it. He was never called the headless horseman. So they were always chased by the Hessian, and they Isn't knew that... Isn't that a German soldier? German soldier from Prussia. Yeah. Pre-German... Well, yeah. Prussia. Um yeah, but they could tell based on the military uniform he was wearing. Right, yeah. Just had no head. Um, which goes back into the history. Uh, during the um, Revolutionary War, uh, the British hired Hessian mercenaries yep. because they were super cheap, didn't follow military laws in any way, shape, or form, and they were only the only thing that they could use to combat the guerrilla tactics that the Americans were using. Because apparently they think it's guerrilla tactics if you don't all line up, point your weapons at each other, and yell fire simultaneously. You know, the Americans were like, fuck that, ambush them. <laughs> the British were like, but we've got to. We need the- tea! Yes. We have to follow all the prim and proper rules of battle. These damned savages out here without uniforms and, <laughs> you know, so they hired the Hessians. So there were the the whole storyline behind that that started it was that uh, the Americans, you know, it became a folklore thing to tell your children about the Hessian that was going to come get you, mm-hmm. and then that evolved into the legend of Sleepy Hollow, where the ghost of a Hessian was there gotcha. and kept coming back, and you know all this other stuff, and then story of Ichabod Crane. So it's actually like. When you combine all of it together, Ichabod Crane was a doctor that was brought in to investigate people going missing. Uh, Literally, the early, early stages of, like, CSI autopsy medical examination, stuff like that in the United States, they'd have literal doctors that they would bring in to help investigate along with the police. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that sort of play into it. The uh, Sleepy Hollow TV show, despite being very left field sci-fi by the end of it um, did a very good job of setting up the backstories of it and how it all played together with the Hessian mercenaries and that sort of stuff but hmm. super super good movie and one of the few Tim Burton movies that does not feel Tim overly Tim Burton <laughs> yeah actually I, I agree it's very balanced and appropriate and you can see his artistic style on it but it doesn't feel overwhelming Right, there's no slanted floors and stuff. And it doesn't distract from the uh, the aesthetic that the movie's going right. for. 
All right, Steve, what's your uh, next film? I have five scary... Oh, no. I have four movies left. Ooh. Four movies. Yeah, because we we grabbed one of my scary movies. We might have to... uh... I had my lists divided and labeled because I'm weird. We might have to uh, accelerate the rest of our list then. Um, so I'm on, I'm on the horror movies, actually. All right. Um, so The Descent. Mm. No. Not not a Halloween movie uh, in any way, shape, or form. Not really technically even a monster movie, so mm-hmm. so much as it is... Uh, Psychological thriller? It, well, it's there is a monster. There, it's these um, subterranean creatures that are essentially, or at least theoretically, human, but humans that developed subterranean and diverged from our evolutionary path. You know, and millennia made it with ago, and um, some people go cave diving, spelunking, as it were. And um, they end up one by one getting picked off by them, and then uh, finally one lady gets out, and she has to kill them off and stuff like that. So it's the the combination of psychological thriller and that creature aspect of it, the jump scare stuff. But the the thing that actually makes me really like it is that the movie the way that it's filmed is kind of like lost a mix of lost camera footage and um, the normal cinematic appeal because since they are in dark caves, half of the movie, the lead actress is running around. They have camcorders that are filming with night vision on. So in order to see the creatures and stuff like that when they don't have their flares and headlamps and whatever, once they find out that they're attracted to the light... They use the infrared camera, so like half the movie is infrared camera and, you know, that sort of stuff. But one of the really cool aspects of it is they actually shot the majority of the movie underground in caves. Huh. So really cool horror movie. Yeah, that that would freak me out. <laughs> All right. What about you, Tully? What's your next horror film? Well, it's not really a horror, uh, but... Uh, so the sixth sense, because um, I see dead people. Yes, I do. No, I went into it not know like not having seen anything, like totally like okay, I'm gonna go see a movie. I have no idea what it's about. I had a dickhead friend that worked at a movie theater, so the day before the movie came out, he had watched it mm-hmm. in the the staff preview the night before. And uh, he called me up, and the very first thing he said when I talked to him that day was, he was dead the whole time, and then hung up. So, <sighs> ruined it for me right from the bat. I knew what yeah. he was talking about, too, because he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you if the movie's worth watching or not. <sighs> and then, literally the only thing he said, it's like, you know, phone rings, pick mm-hmm. it up, hello? He was dead the whole time! Click. Yeah. No, see, like, for me... It was one of my favorite movies for a long time because of going in completely blind. Yeah. Like, not knowing anything about what was, you know, was this going to end up being a comedy or, you know, go black and white at some, you know, like, I knew nothing. And it made the movie probably a thousand times better than it actually is. Uh, But it, it was very much like, you know, like... 
one of the movies I was like on the edge of my seat. But Sunday, on, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. But only because like you know, I was like straining to hear and like to like absorb everything that was going on. And uh, I just like, you know, like when he was in the the cupboard and like you hear the whispering and he's screaming to be let out and then there's like holes in his jumper or sweater, sorry. My little jumper. <laughs> sorry. Sometimes I use British words. Um, and just like I, it was amazing, and I don't think I would have felt that way had I seen a single preview. You know. Interestingly, M Night Shyamalan talks about how he writes movies with his twists like that, mm-hmm. and he writes the ending first, and then fills in all of the backstory that gets to the ending. Yeah. So. He literally started off, he's like, yeah, I have a notebook that I write a bunch of ideas mm-hmm. down in. And like Six Sense, for instance, the note that he wrote down in his book to start mm-hmm. off writing that story was he was dead the whole time. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes like, based on that idea, he's like, oh, okay, so there's a guy that's dead the whole time. How can I make that story mm-hmm. interesting? And he goes back and mm-hmm. backfills the whole thing. And then voila, Six Sense. Yeah. Well, I, I loved it. Like... And it also gave you the story of, like, the fact that, you know, he was trying to help a little boy, you know, when he was alive with the exact same issue. And, like, then he's listening to his tapes when he's dead and you could hear the ghost whispering on the tape. And, you know, and it was just like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I I love ghost stories. So... That one, and I had to, you know, put it on that list because it it scared me, you know, when it first came out because it was like, you know, when's there going to be a jump scare? You know, when is he going to turn around and there's going to be a ghost and stuff? So, Tony, what's your next one? Cabin in the Woods. Never saw it. That's the the Joss Whedon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I read the Wikipedia article on it. It it was, I I hate horror films, and this was basically every horror trope done in a comedic way. And it made it kind of a little more viewable for me, at least, because when every single horror trope was happening, it would then cut through to the home base where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, did we check all the boxes? Did the creepy guy tell him not to go? Do they still go? You know, did they go into the house that said don't go in the house? Okay, yeah, cool. We're good to go. They're idiots. Let's do this. (laughs) You know, so it was very fun and like having like those random scenes where it's like, okay, now what's the betting pool? Is it going to be the lamp? Is it going to be the conch? You know, what what are they going to pick up? You know, like I like the fact that they were betting to see what you know, horror evil thing is going to get them this time around. Yeah. I liked the, uh, just the, it's like you're watching someone watching all of this happen, you know, like it, it gives it that weird, like, um, like pseudo reality TV aspect to it, which makes it, even though it's still showing all of the horror, scary stuff, like it, it lessens the impact of it. Yeah, and you know? I, I like that it explains why these really ridiculous horror films keep getting made. Like why this legend keeps happening. It's like, oh, it's because you know, like there's some sort of big giant evil that they have to, you know, sacrifice somebody to, and this is the way the government handles it. They just have this really. You know, generic catch-all where a bunch of college students find some way to keep going for some reason, and uh, 
you know, it just covers their bases. So, like, it just, it was an interesting setup for something that was really much like, you know, a generic, oh, bunch of kids in a cabin in the middle of the woods. What's possibly going to happen here? I was also a big fan of the fact that uh, Fran Kranz was in it. Mm. Because he is an amazing actor that, outside of Joss Whedon movies, just hasn't gotten much play. What's his name? Fran Kranz. Francis Elliott Kranz. Hmm. He was in uh, Dollhouse. Hmm. Uh, I believe he was on. I thought couple you said Fran Kranz. Fran Kranz. K R A N Z. I'm sure you'd recognize him if you saw him. But um, actually, let me see if I can. Pull oh yeah, no, I see a picture. Yeah. So Good keep actor. this rolling. What's your uh, next film, Steve? Um, I'm going to throw out two. At the same time, one because we've already talked about it on podcast, which is the Burbs. Yeah, uh, just great. Tom Hanks, um, that Corey Feldman. The shit out of me, my God. Just it, but going back the theater, and rewatching so. it later, you're like, this isn't scary at all. But, but at the for same some time, it, I saw it, it in the theater, so I was like, what six? Yeah. Like, and then I will throw out my favorite quote-unquote scary movie as as a little kid, and I'm talking like, I think I was four or five when this came out, was Little Monsters with Howie mm. Mandel, Fred Savage, Ben Savage. Yeah, it takes me back. Yeah, that was solid 80s cheese right there. That was like just... I think I saw that once, but nothing about it stuck. Oh, it's it's just, it's golden. Might have to watch that for Halloween or something. Yeah. So that's that's actually... Uh, I've got some uh, two honorable mentions in the zombie category. I've got Zombie Landed Warm Bodies. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's pretty mm-hmm. much the end of my list at that point. Warm Bodies just because it is perfection in subtle comedy. Yeah, like that was actually a really interesting film as a whole. Uh, zombie Land just because of the... The fact that it's kind of a, a parody making fun of things like Walking Dead and stuff yeah. like that, where it's it's less about, you know, we got to find water and food and resources so that we can live. And it's more of, I just want a fucking Twinkie, you know, like that sort of stuff well, makes it super enjoyable. It, it plays on the whole fact that, like, everybody has a zombie, you know, like, get out plan. And so the fact that like they actually had somebody is like, nope, I had a whole zombie list plan ahead of time. And so I just have this thing that I follow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that and the Bill Murray. Yeah. Which is just hilarious. Never watched it. Bill Murray like... plays Bill Murray. Well, yeah, he always does. But it's Bill Murray in a post-apocalyptic zombie world. So Bill Murray shows up dressed like a zombie, like zombie makeup and stuff like that on so that he can blend in with the zombies so that people don't try and come into his house because he's still living comfortably with a whole bunch of, like, stocked up food and shit like that and then he gets mistaken for a zombie by one of the other people that's in the group that shows up and they kill Bill Murray and there's like literally a whole segment and then recurring joke afterward of you killed Bill Murray gotcha All right. to the extent that Zombieland 2 has cast Bill Murray as zombie Bill Murray just to bring Bill Murray back 
in some capacity that's probably going to bring up the you killed Bill Murray joke. Like, just to, like, walk, shamble up to him. You fucking killed me. Probably. <laughs> so, I still have three movies and two honorable mentions. All right, shoot them. Uh, 13 Ghosts. Ooh, yeah. Uh, again, oh, Ghosts. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. You know, some sort of background that you could at least find. Yeah. Um, probably my closest to an actual horror movie. Uh, Happy Death Day, which we did a, a podcast on. I appreciate that one. Ba- I, I'd still call that more of a Groundhog's Day movie than yeah, but it was scary. Movie. Somebody, there was a killer after her. Yes. So, and then the people under the stairs. I thought that the people under the stairs was quite frankly one of the most frightening movies I had ever seen. I watched it when I was like nine or something. Me like too. That. I thought it was literally the most frightening thing I had ever seen. For years, I wouldn't watch it again. And then I went back and I watched it as an adult, and I went, why was this fucking scary? Like, No, it's cheesy and hilarious, and it was terrifying when when it came out, when I saw it. Amazing as a child. Like, frighten the shit out of me, no questions asked. Like, to the extent that... I knew my staircase was solid growing up, and yet just the whole premise of like, oh, they live under the stairs, and mm-hmm. when they're walking down in the basement, the hands are reaching mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Every single time, I would like glance at the stairs before I'd go up them. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Just like, super I swear to God, I still do that because of this movie. So, yeah, no, the people under the stairs was like my one claim to like when people talk about horror movies would be like, oh, you see the people under the stairs? It's like the one time that I could not be the wuss. Event Horizon would probably be the one where, like, if people's like, I want to be scared, fucking watch Event Horizon. Go watch it. Let's <laughs> I've do it. I've seen that. And then my two honorable mentions, because they kept cropping up on, like, every Halloween movie list, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas and Edward Scissorhands. The Nightmare Before Christmas is a holiday, so Christmas movie. I'm pretty sure that both of those constitute Christmas movies. That's why. They are both Christmas movies. Yeah. That's like saying Frankenweenie is a Halloween movie, even though the entire thing takes place over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Frankenweenie kept showing up, too. Yeah, I was like, no. I think no. Tim Burton has a tendency to do that, to try and blend Halloween into Christmas. Well, then we need to blame the, him. The holiday season. Yeah. Like, but- most people look at it and go, oh, the holiday season that starts at Thanksgiving, and then mm-hmm. you get, you know, He's like Hanukkah, to- Christmas, stuff like that. He's like, let's just roll it back an extra 20 days. <laughs> oh. Oh. Isn't that? That was a big sneeze, sorry. Yeah, that, was, that, that looked like you were about to, like, <laughs> pop a vein or yeah. something. No, I, when I worked at Seas Candies, I learned to sneeze without actually, like, expelling. Because when you're handling candy and money, you wash your hands a lot. Yeah. And sneezing means you have to wash your hands again. And it just, so I just learned to, like, sneeze without actually sneezing. What do we so. got on the end of your list, Tony? No, it's not. She's still going. Oh, yeah, you have one more honorable no? mention. That's right. I just have to... Um, well, shit, now I lost it. What was I saying, honey? We are talking about the holiday... Oh, now we have to blame uh, Tim Burton for yeah. the reason why Christmas ornaments and shit are starting to show up at Halloween. It did not work like he wanted it to. He wanted it 
Halloween to creep up and absorb Christmas. Instead, Christmas just kept spreading. Yeah. I was actually at the store yesterday, and they had these absolutely amazing um, pumpkin cream cheese cookies that are, you know, the Halloween and Thanksgiving pumpkin cream cheese cookie things already gone, and they're now replaced with the Christmas cookies. It's like Thanksgiving hasn't even fucking happened yet. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'd be replacing... buying that shit baked goods <laughs> yeah. for Thanksgiving. It's all the little frosted Christmas trees and stuff oh. like that. Now he's like, "Fuck you!" Just the, oh my god, whoever made that executive decision—that's the type of person that like the second Halloween is done, they're like, "Let's put on Christmas music." Yes, and by the time Christmas actually rolls around, you want to stab a bitch mm-hmm. or a Santa. So uh, the last film that has not been mentioned on my list, unless there's anything else you wanted to say, no. is Freddy versus Jason. Oh, yeah, I definitely uh, haven't seen that. That made my list because, and again, like, I am your not a horror movie person, and Freddy vs. Jason is definitely not a horror movie. It is an action comedy, if anything else. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, Same with, uh, what was it, Jason in Space? Oh, yeah, yeah, Jason X or whatever it was. Oh, my God, that was so funny. But, um, but yeah, like, it made my list because it played on every single Scooby-Doo trope it possibly could, and it all pitted these two huge monumental horror film characters against each other in a way that was very amusing. Um, yeah, just like, you know, like I'm not a horror fan and I still watch this movie and, and I, I enjoyed it very much. I'm sure there's there's probably like a half dozen movies, maybe a dozen movies that I'm completely forgetting about here. Like, legitimately good horror movies. Like, uh... Darkness God. Falls still scares the shit out of me. What's that? What's and yet I still watch the damn thing because it's so interesting. 28 Days a Night. Oh, that's a good one. Or 30 Days a Night with uh, Josh Hartnett. Yeah. it's a, Josh Hartnett and Ben Foster. It's a bit of a stretch from the original you know, book, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, but solid. Um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Mm-hmm. Probably British and Zombies. You know, I didn't like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies as much as yeah. I did Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah. I mean, the movie adaptations. Yeah. Like, the books are both good. But movie adaptations, I think uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, no pun intended, hit it on the head a little bit better <laughs> than uh, than Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Um, let me see. I don't know. As far as horror movies goes, like... I don't particularly like horror movies because I find most of them to be exceptionally predictable. Mm-hmm. Where I can just you like, piss me off with this all the time. You walk in, watch thirty seconds. And I have to be silent it. during a horror movie <laughs> so that I don't like ruin it. Kicked out. <laughs> um, like I did this with Saw. I walked in. My sister was watching Saw very first time she had seen it. I hadn't seen it before. I walked in and I, I was standing behind her on the couch, and I watched about the first five or six minutes of it just enough for them to find out that they're waking up in the room and then uh the first message comes on tv and tells them that they have to escape and and stuff like that i'm watching and i'm like it's the dude on the floor and walked off (laughs) came back an hour and a half later whatever you know credits were rolling and she just turns around throws a pillow at me she's like you fucker and i went what and she goes the whole movie 
I sat there watching, just thinking in the back of my head, oh, Steve says it's the guy on the floor. It's got to be the guy on the floor. And he fucking ruined it for me because it was the guy on the floor. (laughs) You know, so it's stuff like that. Like, I can't really, like, it's always the thing that you least expect or, oh, no, we have all the evidence that says this isn't the Mm -hmm. case. Like, you know, that sort of thing. Like, for me, there has to be a psychological aspect to it. Like, watching something like The Cube is amazing. Mm, I love The Cube. Um, that was which, just gross. The Cube, it was the, the psychological premise of them being... The room that they started out in was the room that they got out in. They If they'd have just stayed there and waited, they'd have all gotten out. But because they went through and tried to escape and get out and find another way out... and But that's you know, like so. the one where the, everybody was, like, sliced up and shit, right? Only one person was one person was sliced up by lasers. I think one person was sliced up by lasers. One person was impaled. One person fell to their death. What's the movie where somebody was like um, that thing you do with like body parts and like tiny slices, and then you stack them, and then you take pieces away? um, Oh, uh, that happened in Resident Evil. Yeah, there was one in Resident Evil. There was there was like a a white room. That might. The cube, it wasn't tiny slices. But yeah, like he, was, was, he was sliced and then slowly fell apart. It was like a apart. net that went through. Well, and then he fell into cubes, right? Yeah. yeah. No, there was Which movie. also happened in Resident Evil. There might have been a, it might have been a dream I had. See, sometimes I can't remember if I'm thinking of a fucked up dream I had or an actual movie. But in what, whenever I think of the cube, I think of that one where the dude, like, falls to cubes. Yeah. And then the one where it was like, from one angle, the person looked fine, and then it swung around and blood, and you, because you heard blood dripping, and uh, it was like those specimen slices of oh, a person. Yeah, yeah. I think and I was, think they were still breathing. Yeah, I think that was the cube because, like, yeah, like they were mm-hmm. cut in half, and the glass was still there, and one half of them started sliding down. Yeah. Yeah, I think then my brain twisted that into specimen slices in a dream later, and that's why I don't watch horror movies. That Event Horizon is a, is a solid horror movie. Um, I just don't like being scared without like learning something. There, it, it for me, it's really hard to throw out like horror movies because to me, a psychological thriller is just as much of a horror movie mm-hmm. as a horror movie is. But those know? are better. Those are good. Yeah, <laughs> like. There's the jump scare horror movies, there's sci-fi horror movies, there's the mystery horror movies, psychological thrillers, like that sort of thing. Like, to me, um, there's things like, uh, what is it, 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, whatever the third third one is, yeah. 28 Months? I think so. Something like that. Like those, the zombie apocalypse type thing. 28 Seconds Later. They're more psychological thriller than they are... Yeah. yeah, the, the you know, fear of the zombies itself. Same thing with like um, uh, the Will Smith zombie. Oh, um, I Am Legend. Yeah, I Am oh, Legend. Mm-hmm. It's more of a psychological thriller than it is a monster movie. You know, like that. That sort signs. of thing. Signs. Sorry. Again, no. Signs is another one. Mm-hmm. More of a psychological thriller than it is a monster movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a monster that you see in it, the aliens or whatever. But but it's you never... a psychological thriller. Yeah. I just um, like the part where like the the brother uh the older guy was like War with of the, the kids Worlds, the, the Tom Cruise remake of it yeah. again psychological thriller yeah. I just liked it when the like 
put on like the kids like put on tinfoil hats and then they saw the alien and then so the old the brother or like uncle to them like put on a tinfoil hat joaquin <laughs> phoenix yes which by the way he plays the new joker oh i saw the images i could see it working he already has a lip scar yeah mm. yes from that cleft palette mm-hmm. yeah but i think that uh you know, outside of the 800 honorable mentions we could probably <laughs> yeah. throw in. I think that pretty much covers our, our top list. Yeah. we got a little bit of crossover, uh, some shared elements here and there. You can tell um, I like ghost stories by my list. Yes. And uh, I think we've strayed away from the uh, overly intentionally cheesy things like Halloween Town and, you know. Oh, my God. Uh, like, yes, it's a Halloween movie, but, man, is it bad. But ultimately, for me, like I said, my Halloweens are usually spent watching, like, Halloween episodes of specific TV yeah. shows that I really enjoy. I don't watch Halloween movies as much. Maybe if something happens to pop up on Netflix while I'm, you know, laying down in yeah, bed skimming. at night. Yeah, that, that's about it. Um, I'm not a huge Halloween movie fan. Yeah, me like, well, I don't need them to get into the mood so it'll be like august 4th and i'm like ooh, i want to watch hocus pocus i dislike people so the entire premise of a bunch of neighbors that i don't know coming and knocking on my door to ask me for free candy just kind of um upsets me a little bit See, at a i grew level. up on a farm so we never got the, we were the people like the kids that drove into neighborhoods oh, I, I loved trick-or-treating as a, yeah. a little kid and then it's just, I've, I've come to hate people <laughs> I, I never have really had trick-or-treaters. Like, the most I ever had once was, like, half a dozen. So I buy, like, 60 fucking dollars worth of candy, and I end up eating it all. So it's, like, the best holiday still. Oh, I, I love the large bags of candy significantly discounted. Don't get me wrong. That is fucking amazing. Hands down, no questions asked. I don't like the the little kids that knock on my door. And then, like... You've got to try and be impressed at the fact that one of them is dressed up like Justin Bieber or something. Like, you know, it, it's... Or, or, God, what was it? Two years ago here, I swear to God, every other person that I saw was Elsa from Frozen. <clears throat> every other one. It was like like Iron Man's and Elsa. And that no, was it. I'm not it. surprised. Like, every single one of them. And you're like, oh, come on. Have some... Just a little bit of creativity, you know? I want the one kid, legitimately, if I had a kid show up to my door wearing a sheet with eye holes cut in it, <laughs> I would give that kid the entire bowl of candy. I, so now I have three Halloween stories to tell you. Uh, one time when I was a kid, when those, um, like, death costumes first came out, where, like, they had the black, like, sh like uh, see-through like face part so like yeah, it actually mesh. looked like it was empty those came out I, like my sister my best friend and i all got them and dressed up that way well apparently another trio did the same thing so we got fucking yelled at by some old bitch for coming around again oh and yeah that like totally scarred me another year uh some dude poor dude was moving on his on halloween so he just like he was like almost done so he just dumped the bucket or like the bowl into our bags so we got like uh I, i'd say like a good six quart bowl hmm. of, of mixed candy mostly jolly ranchers yeah so, and then one year my brother dressed us up as ghost pirates and uh 
we actually had a little old lady so impressed uh, that she, like, took our picture with a Polaroid and, like, here you go, you can take that to your mom and everything. And I was just like, oh, okay, don't forget the candy lady. But she had, <laughs> she had like, full-size candy bars, so it was pretty fucking awesome. Mm. But One that was of- the first year that I had, like, actually, like, had an impressive, you know, not, like, plastic sheet plastic mask thing you know one of these years i am going to um like i don't know if you've ever read about like the faceless people phenomenon so uh back in like 2007 2008 or something like that all over all these major events that were on tv and stuff like that in the crowd people could pick out faceless people and i pulled up a picture here so you can see like what it looks like there's these two faceless people here i didn't even see the one looking at the other one yeah it like they're just completely faceless right Mm -hmm. so um it was called the faceless faceless phenomenon 2008 people couldn't Mm -hmm. they didn't know who it was it was always different people stuff like Mm -hmm. that apparently there was a group of like 20 or 30 people that were all doing this and it was these custom masks that they were making that attached with a small amount of glue around the mm-hmm. face and they, you can completely see through them they're 100 mm-hmm. percent like breathe. able to breathe yeah. through it but it looks like completely flat mm-hmm. skin like latex or something like that and i want to do that and i just want to put on like a faceless mask and then when i answer the door to kids you know just stare at them <laughs> completely faceless and just wait for one of them to piss themselves like I know it's going to happen. I just want to do it once. Like I I take it off right after there is a puddle on my porch. But that's that would be golden for me. Yes, golden on your porch. Pun intended. That's like that's like the third solid pun. Mm-hmm. This podcast. Mm-hmm. It's soon going to be a pun cast. Mm-hmm. Make that four. <laughs> Ah, oh, so I think that uh, that wraps up all of our lists and, yeah. and stories and whatnot for this year. Top 10 Halloween countdown-ish for Above the Airwaves slash Retro, Retro Rocket, Rocket Entertainment. Entertainment Podcast Network. That's a long name. By Michael Cook. Yeah, he does like six different podcasts, so it has to be a network. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's still a long name. I mean, technically speaking, our podcast is called the Above the Airwaves Podcast in partnership with Retro Rocket Entertainment Podcast Network. Fuck! If you want Fuck. the full name. I'm never going to remember that. That's why I just call us Above the Airwaves. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But you guys know the drill. If you want to join in on the discussion, hit us up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash above the airwaves or on our website at www.abovetheairwaves.com. Once again, we ask that you please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash above the airwaves so that we can keep doing what we do, coming out with these weekly and sometimes more often than that episodes where we discuss movies and TV shows and video games and all other random forms of entertainment you can waste your time with. Telling stories and recanting our childhood memories is as though you see were how there. fucked up we are. Invasions yeah. of the Body Snatchers, the 90s one. I had nightmares for that for like five years. Is that the one it. with pod people? Yeah. The one? Oh, I remember that. <gasps> the 90s one? Is that the faculty? 
No, no, it was no, literally no, no. called like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It was just there's like three renditions of it, and the uh, one that yeah, there was the one lines. in the '90s and people like cracking out of the pods. Um, I'd still honorable mention for the faculty as well. Yeah. The Langoliers. Oh yeah, the Langoliers. That was scary. Yeah, that could also be an honorable mention. So yeah, we get honorable mention all day and night. Just, yeah. There's some, there's a lot of films as a child that I should not have seen as a child. Yeah. No. Oh my god. How am I not more fucked up? Good night, everybody. <laughs> Take it easy, folks. Candy, 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 candy.